Welcome to the NWO Sports Podcast. Here's your host, Logan Bailey. Welcome to the NWO Sports Podcast, Football Edition, Week 5. Brought to you by our primary sponsor, 3Chord. I'm your host, Logan Bailey, and joined today again by Keith Brown, AJ Fairchild, and Tony Fairchild. So again, thanks for coming on, guys. And, uh, you know, we're officially up to the halfway point in the season. Uh, what are your thoughts going into this week? Just crazy. It's just, you're week five already. <laughs> it's nuts. Um, very exciting week one in a conference play last week, and uh, obviously we'll get into that. But, man, it's, it's, season's flying by. But, boy, it was beautiful out tonight. We had a game tonight. The weather is just absolutely beautiful. Really turning into that fall football weather right now, but uh, yeah, you're right. It's it's flying by and a lot of excitement in week one of conference play. So I can't wait to you know get into some of these game recaps. Yeah, but we we talked about it almost every week. Can't believe it's week one. Can't believe it's week two. And we're seriously halfway through the regular season of the high school football season. It's it's amazing. I guess the thing I could never understand is why does it seem like football season and fall? I feel like it goes faster than any other time yeah. of the year. Like literally, it's just you blink and you're halfway through, and we just keep on marching week after week. And I don't know. I think it's got to be just the anticipation. You know, football is only one one game a week, and yeah. uh, you know you kind of build up excitement, and then once you get there, it's you restart over and over again. So. <laughs> Just like, yeah, I mean, every it's seriously, like every week in basketball, you know, you you do, you know, you scheme to what the team's going to do. But I mean, football, you're literally it's completely different scheme every single week. You're not doing the same thing necessarily. I mean, offensively you are, but defensively you're doing something different just about every week. Yep. So it's it's uh, it's crazy. Definitely an exciting time of year. Yeah, let's go ahead. Let's move on and see how we did for last week's picks. Um, kind of interesting. Everyone is either number one or number two last week. So actually, Tony, Matthew, and Logan all finished 14 and three. Keith, Bryce, and AJ all finished 13 and four. And on the year, Tony is leading with a 55 and 20 record. Good, yeah. for, good for one ahead of Matthew. So another spotlight to Tony. Any words of wisdom? <laughs> yeah, just keep just blindly pick their teams. <laughs> well, it seems to be working. Well, for I went you, against so. I went against you guys in a couple games last week, and then those games pulled off for me, like Liberty Center and uh, the Ayersville game. So. <laughs> Like Keith said, that Paulding game, we'll talk, which we'll talk about, but um, could have gone either way. Yeah, and everyone's still in the hunt. So, uh, you know, pretty good year overall for us picking games. So, all right, let's kick it off and let's get into the week four game re recaps. We got a lot of really good games, um, but we're going to start with the NW Sports game of the week last week. And I know a lot of people wanted to hear our thoughts on this game. So that would be Liberty Center at Archbold. Liberty Center took this one away, 42 to 14. And really, Liberty Center jumped out to a 14 nothing lead to start the game. And finally, with under two minutes to go in the first half, Archbold's Chase Miller responded with a 94-yard kickoff return, um, which, again, I keep thinking and saying, um, Archibald's probably got one of the better return yeah. groups with uh, Chase Miller and Jack Hurst because we saw them play against Sonora, and they are deadly and they are quick. Um, so he had a huge play for them to kind of spark Archibald. Uh, Archibald actually started off the second half with momentum, but was soon stopped by an interception and an 80-yard return for Liberty Center thanks to a defensive back, Cam Colley. Uh, and that man just keeps on getting interception after interception, and uh, he's doing a very nice job for the defensive secondary um, for the Liberty Center Tigers. The rest of the game was history as Liberty Center would go on to outscore Archibald 28 to 7 in the second half. Liberty Center went with their traditional ground and pound rushing attack and ran the ball 37 times for 223 rushing yards, good for six a carry. Looking at the turnover battle, Liberty Center had zero, Archibald had four, three interceptions and one fumble. Again, we talk time and time again, if you lose that turnover battle, especially by that margin, it's really hard to win a football game. And Liberty Centers, this ended up being their third win a row against Archbold. So looking at a couple top players here from Liberty Center, running back, linebacker, Trenton Cruz, 10 carries, 116 rushing yards, good for 11.6 yards a clip, two rushing touchdowns, two receptions, 41 receiving yards, and eight tackles and one tackle for loss on defense. Defensive lineman Landon Bachelman came up big, eight tackles, two tackles for loss, and one sack. 
Again, like I mentioned earlier, Cam Colley, he had one interception for 80-yard touchdown. He also had five tackles on defense. Um, and then on the defensive side for Liberty Center, Thomas Moeller and Grady Miller each had one interception apiece. And then looking at Archbold, uh, wide receiver Chase Miller, 94-yard kickoff return, which we mentioned earlier, for a touchdown. Three receptions, 25 receiving yards. Running back Lucas Dominic, 16 carries, 52 rushing yards, six receptions, which led the team in 40 receiving yards. Running back Jack Hurst had a rushing touchdown. Um, and that kind of concludes the top players for them. So, guys, um, you know, this was a really big game. And, uh, you know, half of us were split in Archibald, half for Liberty Center. So let's go ahead and let's talk about this one here. That yeah, was a great game. Uh, we were, you had it on your phone up there. We were watching it as we were doing our broadcast at, at Tenora. But, um, you know, just uh, kind of shocking and how Liberty Center took off and um, jumped out to the lead like that. Just I was kind of a little shocked by that. I figured the Archibald would handle it a little bit better. I think personally, I know I was one who picked Archibald, and I had a couple people reach out to see why it was is that we picked these games. Um, really, for Archibald, after seeing a comparison of Liberty Center play to Nora yep. and Archibald play to Nora, I just felt like Archibald. You know, they dominated every aspect of the game. You know, Liberty Center, and I know it was the first game against Sonora, played kind of sloppy. You know, ball yeah. was on the ground quite a bit. Um, but Archibald, their, their O-line, their D-line, just they seemed a little bit bigger than Liberty Center. They, they just absolutely dominated Tenora. Um, so we kind of had that control, Tenora playing both teams. Yeah. Um, and I just really liked, you know, Archibald, not only could they run the ball, but they also could throw the ball as well. And I thought, you know, having being that multi-dimensional offense could really put up some some points against Liberty Center's defense. And uh, just wasn't the case. And you know, it really just wasn't the Blue Streaks' night. Yeah, I'm right there with you on that one, Logan. It, the control group there with Tenora's uh, being, you know, Tenora being the common denominator. I really wasn't all that impressed with the way Liberty Center started their first half against Tenora. Granted, that was their first half of the season, uh, so. You, know, you got to take it with a grain of salt, but then Archibald comes out and just dominates against Tenora, and I thought there was going to be at least a little bit better of a matchup. Um, but, man, L Liberty Center has apparently gotten things together and playing clean ball and and uh, kicking butt now. Yeah, you guys pretty much summed up everything I was going to say. You compare the two games, really, def uh, Tenora versus Liberty Center and Tenora versus Archibald. I agree with both you guys. Archibald was so much more dominant over Tenora than what Liberty Center was. So for me, that's like you guys said, I just compared the two going into that game. And I, I thought Archibald had a, had a little bit of advantage, like Logan said, for the, the run bass balance. But um, right, Liberty Center, is, is they're just steamrolling along here. Like, I don't really think they throw the ball more than 12 times a game. No, and I, th and, I think and this last game they may have only thrown a three, yeah. if that. Yeah, so. it's just like uh, Coach Moeller's just lining the boys up and say, hey, go ahead and stop us. You know what we're going to do. Now it's your your turn to to stop us. And thus far, nobody can. Yeah, and I, you know, the one thing Liberty Center has going for them is their physicality. I know people talk about that all the time, but when you dominate in the trenches, you dominate in every facet. Um, it's it's hard for teams to come up from that. And I, I know there was a there's a bad hit that's kind of going around, and yeah. I don't necessarily agree with that. But you know, if besides that point, Liberty Center is a physical team, and uh, you know, it just drains teams when you can go four quarters and you can just pound the ball and run it down their throat every single, pretty much every single play. You know, if they're averaging five, six yards of carry. I yep. mean, that's basically having their way with the with the opponent. So. Yeah, especially last year when he lost Zyder and Orr, plus, you know, a, a box and a few others. And Coach Moeller's just like plugging in different people. <laughs> you can't even really tell a difference yeah, from last they, year to this year. I mean, honestly, they haven't skipped a beat. Yeah. I mean, you know, they're reloaded again and, yeah. and they're ready. And honestly, the way that we're seeing right now, 
Um, they're primed to make a deep playoff run. I mean, just from what we've seen out of yep. a sample of four games. Right. So Liberty Center is a real deal. You know, Archbold, you know, the, the, the four turnovers are huge, you know, in yeah. a game like that. You know, you can't – when you're playing a team like Liberty Center, you can't make mistakes like that. So, um, you know, if they play – if they would play again and the Archibald could play cleaner, I, th I think you'd see a lot tighter score than, than what you see there. But, um, you know, Logan, you brought up the, the – I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk about it. You, you kind of mentioned it was the, the, you know, the hit that's been spreading around like wildfire on the Internet. You know, Liberty Center, you're a class act team. But, you know, there's no need to get into that stuff. You guys got to play clean. And – um you know, you don't want that stuff chasing you around on the right. internet because once it gets on the internet, man, it never goes away. And I mean, it went all the way to Toledo 11 news, that guy, that Tyler Segerman or whatever, it's even yeah. on that. So you guys don't want that. So keep your nose clean. There's no need for those late hits like that. Just, just play clean and win games and pound people like you have been. Yep. Totally agree. Very good point, Tony. Yeah. I think they're fourth this week in the, well, the first poll. So in division five, so, huh. yep. Yeah, a lot to look forward to if you're, you're a Liberty Center Tiger fan. So let's lot, go ahead. A lot to go look ahead, forward AJ. to as an Archbold fan, too. It yeah, Archbold as well. Yeah. Team. I mean, just because, I mean, they lost to a very quality team. There's no reason to keep your head hung low because, you know, Archbold's, they've got a good team. We've seen yeah. it firsthand, um, and they can certainly make a good playoff run as well. So definitely got to keep your head up if you're a blue streak. Yep. Yeah, definitely. All right, let's move on to the next game here. Looking at Van Wert at Defiance, and man, was this one a close one. Van Wert ended up winning this one 43-42. Uh, Van Wert won this game. Um, you know, there was a lot of different uh, things that were going on. Actually, in the late in the fourth quarter, um, Van Wert actually botched an extra point. And I believe, didn't you say, Tony, that they threw it to their center or something? That's, and that's what was saying. That's what everybody was saying. They threw it to the center was wearing number 30 or 30, a 30 number. Okay. Um, and then when the botch snapped, he ran out into the end zone. They threw the ball to him and the referee, I guess, didn't catch that it was he was the center. So he would oh, really? been an eligible receiver. That's the story that I was told. Sure. So, um, but then it sounds like it's pretty true. I've heard it from multiple sources. So. Right. Um, a couple other points from this game. You know, Defiance was without star running back Brogan Castillo due to an injury. And we all know Defiance, uh, Brogan brings a whole nother facet to the game. Um, he's one of the best backs in the area. So Defiance was out without a huge weapon there. Looking at the turnover battle, Van Wert had zero. Defiance had one, and that was an interception. Both teams were actually very efficient on third down. Van Wert was 8 of 14 for 57%. Defiance was 4 of 6 for 67%. And, you know, looking at this, Van Wert was also 3 of 4 for 75% on fourth down, which that's absolutely huge. Uh, you know, those are real momentum changers. When it's do or die, you're fourth down, and you have to get this or you're turning the ball over. So very clutch from Van Wert. Looking at some top players uh, from Van Wert, quarterback and safety, Brylan Parker. He continues to go out and produce week after week. He went 21 of 30, 70%, 181 passing yards, one passing touchdown. He ended up running the ball 28 times for 149 rushing yards, two rushing touchdowns. And on defense, he led it, uh, Van Wert, with six tackles. And really, I think, you know, looking at the 28 carries, we really saw the all-Ohio running back in Brylan come out this game. A couple other key players from Van Wert, running back Keldon Bill, 18 carries, 93 rushing yards, two rushing touchdowns. Wide receiver Reese Cruz, seven receptions, 71 receiving yards, and one receiving touchdown. Wide receiver Connor Campbell, 10 receptions for 68 receiving yards. And then looking at Defiance, a couple guys that really had great games. Quarterback Brez Zipfel, which he's really coming into his own here, you know, in the halfway point of the season. 14 of 20 for 70%, 259 passing yards, four passing touchdowns. He did have one interception, seven carries for 61 rushing yards and one rushing touchdown. Good for a total of five touchdowns. So, you know, 
we knew defiance could run the ball but man can they really pass the ball too when they need to and wide receiver anthony wilder nine receptions 129 receiving yards three receiving touchdowns three carries for 41 rushing yards and one rushing touchdown good for four total touchdowns um so what a performance from anthony wilder and then running back abel rubio did a nice job at coming in 13 carries 84 rushing yards for the bulldogs so guys uh thoughts on this defiance and van wert game go ahead keith i'll let you start um kind of just rebounding off what you guys talked about earlier with a two-point conversion. Uh, Coach Cooper, we had him on a couple times, and we talked to him. He's like, hey, control what you control. That's something you can't control. Probably more concerning for him was probably the 43 points allowed on defense. <laughs> right, yeah, absolutely. You know, a two-point conversion that went astray that, you know, it's just like a fire drill. You just got kids going everywhere. So, you know, that play was missed. But Defiance also missed, I believe, three of their – two-point attempts as well so but like we said we talked to coach cooper he's probably more concerned about why did we allow 43 points yeah absolutely you know and, and you know when you look at defiance you know without broken castillo that's a huge miss right the, 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 that's a huge loss for them and you know just looking at through the stats i mean the, the those guys stepped up huge and i think you know talking to some of the guys that were at the game they said you know rubio um first time he really played both ways a lot you know he was running the ball and then also he's a big linebacker for him um you know so maybe playing both ways. They said he looked a little tired at the end of the game, so he needs to get himself a little more in shape to play both ways. So, you know, that stuff might work itself out if Brogan doesn't come back soon. But, um, you know, like you said, Keith, uh, giving up that many points on defense, you can't point to one play and go, oh, well, they looked right. too. Right. You, know, yep. you shouldn't have scored 43 points. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. Any other thoughts on this game before we move on? I watched a little bit of this when I was doing my post game for our game, and Van Word is just sneaky quick. They're just like little water bugs out there that just. <laughs> I've, I've seen some highlights of these guys, you know, guys out on the edge like Reese Crew and yeah, Connor Campbell. Yes. And man, they can really burn you deep and, uh, you know, they can make you miss out in open space as well. So, um, yeah, I totally agree with you, Keith. All right, let's move on to this next game here. Uh, looking at Ayersville at Paulding, and Ayersville came away big with this one. Uh, 20 to 17 win. Paulding was actually up 17 to nothing at halftime. And, you know, my initial thoughts were that the game was over and Paulding was going to take the, the win over Ayersville. You know, we were watching scores as we were broadcasting the Tenor and Fairview game. And I thought for sure, you know, being up 17 nothing, I thought there's no way Paulding can lose this one. But, uh, you know, there's a huge turning point in the game with under two minutes to go. Ayersville was down and had one last chance. They ran a reverse pass on about fourth and 15 on their half of the field. And the ball was underthrown and a defensive pass interference was called. So, I mean, I watched this about five times and thought, I didn't think there was much contact. I, I know I obviously wasn't there, and, and the film view wasn't necessarily the greatest either, but I thought the ball was so underthrown, I didn't think an Ayersville receiver could make a play on it. Uh, but with that being said, Paulding still had a 17 nothing lead that got got away from him in the second half. So uh, do you guys want to – well, I guess we can comment on that now rather than later So yeah. since we're on the topic. Well, I mean, it's, I looked at that video too. They, you know, somebody sent it out. Wanted us to take a look at it, and and you know, it's hard to see because of the view we got. That kind of cuts off the screen. You know, right. just just as that kind of happens, and it's clear across the field. But you know, again, one play didn't lead to the 17 points that you gave up that you you know you had. So, you know, take care of things. You know, don't don't shoot yourself in the foot. I mean, that's basically what was going that's on. That's still a tough break if you're Paul, yeah. though, because yeah. oh, you yeah. literally had them right there, and yep. that would have been a huge win for the program. Yep. Uh, you know, I don't even know when the last time Paulding really had a true you know, win over a quality opponent was, and they were just right on the brink, but they just couldn't get, get a hold of it. 
kind of solidifies the fact that Paulding still hangs in there as that team you don't want to overlook because they will make you eat it if you don't. Uh, yeah. So so everybody that plays Paulding is going to have to put some time into their game plan going into that game. They can't just you know be like, oh, who we play next and skip them because Paulding will make them eat it. That's what I told Keith, too. I was talking, you know, football is a game of inches. Every little thing adds up. Yep. And you, had, you built up a 17-0 lead at half, and then things just kind of got away. So everything little every little thing counts every little block every little detail every your the way you run your routes penalties penalties <laughs> yes yeah. so an untimely penalty could kill a drive you know a, what i mean 100 percent. so it's just you you got to get to the point where you know polding's starting to get to that point where they're competing with teams are going out they got a couple wins this year but they got to learn how to take it to the next level and how to be winners and start putting up uh some some wins in the right column so yeah. and i believe abe delano was the one that threw that pass on that reverse right they reversed it back so. to abe delano he was the one that threw the pass yes yeah so i mean you know we talked about that and, and i'm kind of going right into your, what you got here logan but we talked about getting that ball in abe delano's hands and yep and you know they're they're doing what they can to get their playmakers involved exactly <laughs> you know so yep, that was a very good note and i'll kind of get into some of the key players here from Ayersville wide receiver obviously abe delano which we're on right now seven receptions 79 receiving yards two receiving touchdowns he had five carries for 65 rushing yards good for 13 a carry and one rushing touchdown and just like tony said we've always kind of said we know delano's one of the better athletes on that Ayersville team and for him to make a difference he's a big frame he's got to get the ball in his hands for Ayersville's offense to go out and produce and he you know he's doing a really nice job at it right now and i looked and they lined up delano up in the backfield and ran the ball more with him this game and he actually had uh 64 of the team's receptions as well so Jeez. they're getting him the ball a lot and wow. I think it's going to pay dividends for them in the future as well. But uh, with that being said, quarterback Lucas Fishpaw, he was 11 of 27. He had 99 <laughs> passing yards, two passing touchdowns. Linebacker Brady Clark for Ayersville had five tackles. He led the team and had one tackle for loss. And then looking for Paulding, man, man, is this kid, he's starting to be a dog on defense. Jack Woods, again, another game with double-digit tackles, 14 tackles. He had one and a half safeties, two forced fumbles, and he's really making a case for the being the best linebacker in the GMC and possibly GMC Defensive Player of the Year. I believe this game, he basically he had four points for Paulding himself playing defense. <laughs> yeah, so I was going to say, they had two safeties. And they wow. started, I believe they started off the game with a safety as well. Uh, wow. A couple other kids from Paulding that are really stepping up. Running back Kobe Ford, 22 carries, 63 rushing yards, one rushing touchdown. Wide receiver Blake Roanhouse, four receptions, 98 receiving yards, and one receiving touchdown. And, uh, you know, those guys are really going out there, and they're starting to show off a lot of their athleticism. So any other final thoughts on this game? Yeah, for me, like when we were doing our post game, we run down the scores, and I pretty much put this one in the bank for Paulding. So, time we get our stuff packed up and everything. Of course, we forgot our banners last week, so we had to come <laughs> yeah. back. So it was a good twenty twenty five minutes after we did our post game. So I turn on the, the radio to the bowl, trying to catch some scores or whatnot. So then uh, Michael Sebring is interviewing. Uh, <laughs> uh coach mickey and i'm like wait a minute what the heck's going on here for those of you who don't know keith had paulding pick last week yeah so he's feeling pretty proud of him so <laughs> i'm like what in the world's going on here but uh yeah great comeback by Ayersville. And, and just listen to coach mickey i mean that's some guy that if you're a player you just love to play for he's so energetic he's so upbeat he's so just a guy you just like to hang around with but i had no idea that Ayersville come back and won until i listened to the the bulls post game 
All I gotta say, guys, is we. I know. I know when you read that score off earlier, we joked about it. Like, oh, back on the Paulding train, woo! Yeah, right. And uh, the train derailed there in the second <laughs> half. <of> the- <laughs> one, one thing Coach Mickey did said did say, which I think we've pointed out many times, is said Paulding is probably the hardest hitting team they've played in a long time. Yeah, we've been saying that for years, yeah. honestly, because I believe it. What Keith was it two years ago that we went over there and Paulding? Yep. Uh, they just they hit, they hit, they hit, and they don't stop and. There's those kids play so hard and it's every single play and you can just see the tenacity out of these kids. And that's one thing I will say is that they do a very nice job over there is the physicality mm-hmm. and those kids want to go out and they want to play hard. So that, that's really good props to the Paulding Panthers. All right, let's move on to the next game here. Keeping things rolling. We were at this game and we broadcast it. So Tenor at Fairview. Tenor came away 42-14 winners here. Tenor basically returned to the traditional Tenora team of the past, rushing for 376 yards. Tenora jumped out to a 28-8 lead at halftime. Looking at the turnover battle, Fairview had one, which is one interception. Tenora had two, a fumble and an interception. But Tenora was really able to establish somewhat of a passing attack that made making uh, you know nickel and dime throws rather than the deep ball every play. So I thought that was something that was really nice to see out of Tenora. Some key players here, running back, linebacker, Grady Gusweiler, 18 carries, 116 rushing yards, good for 6.4 yards a carry, three rushing touchdowns. He had three receptions and 13 receiving yards. And then on defense, Grady had a huge pick six that he ended up running in from 32 yards out. And we talked during the game and Fairview's wide receivers had been doing a nice job at sitting in open areas for you know curls and hitches and running little out routes to the sideline. And Grady made a really great read he just broke on it and uh you know the rest was history he had that pick six and uh, a couple other key players from tenora quarterback dominic graziani was seven and nine 40 passing yards he did have one interception he had 13 carries for 136 rushing yards and one rushing touchdown and then looking at running back joey geisinger 10 carries 60 rushing yards one rushing touchdown on the other side from fairview quarterback williams e dyke was 20 of 40 good for 50 percent he had 184 passing yards, one passing touchdown. He did have an interception, and he only had seven carries for 10 rushing yards. Wide receiver Gavin Mead had five receptions for 94 receiving yards, and then wide receiver linebacker backer Gavin Garza finished with two receptions, 21 receiving yards, one receiving touchdown. I believe he was the one that had that excellent touchdown reception, keeping both his feet in bounce. Um, he was running a little out route right in the red zone and in, in the end zone as well. Uh, and he also had a 96-yard fumble recovery for a touchdown in the fourth quarter. So, guys, we were all at this one. So, uh, who wants to kick off this? Go ahead, AJ. Uh, yeah, I'll, <laughs> I'll start it off. Um, you kind of mentioned it. I really liked that Tenora went with more of the, the short underneath routes. Uh, and, we're, you know, we're chipping away at the 5, 10 yards. And it worked well for them. It opened up the run game. Obviously, you know, they, they were able to run all over the place. Um, but being able to get those little quick out routes are going to be a huge game saver come, you know, bigger games like this week against Antwerp. If they're able to hit the, some of those out routes, that could could potentially win them the game. Yep. You're not going to be able to run the ball inside every single time against Antwerp because they're going to catch on. They're going to stop it. But those little quick quick out routes will, will save your drive in a pinch uh, as opposed to what we've seen in the past couple weeks where they're always looking for that 20-yard bomb and – it just hasn't been working out for the Rams. Uh, so it's nice to see them start going a little underneath here. Yep, I agree with you. Probably um, probably the best complete game the Rams have played offensively and defensively this year, I would, I would say. I agree. Yeah. Um, good balance on offense, kind of a traditional Rams offense, I guess, from the shotgun as opposed to um, – you know, just like AJ said, throw the ball 20, 25 yards downfield and just kind of hope one of our guys grabs it. But uh, nice to see Joey back. Uh, Joey Geisinger add a little more uh, 
threat there to the backfield yeah. and uh, Dominic Graziani, Grady. That touchdown run, the third one that Grady had, oh, dude, was, that was amazing. That was awesome. Like how he got in cool. the end zone from basically launching his body from about the five or four yard line was that was probably the best touchdown we've seen all year. Really, yeah, that was um, pretty awesome. But uh, defensively, like going into the game, we're kind of looking forward to seeing the the uh, Fairview offense and uh, Rams defense. Pretty much shut them down outside the in the first quarter. They took the eight seven lead, but after that, uh, you know, Coach Helton and the defense pretty much shut down uh, Z Dyke. So yeah, and I just wanted to give a little shout out to you know to the Tenora offensive and defensive yep. line. You know, Alex well, Holmeyer on defensive line yep. for Tenora. Yep. He really came alive and was you know causing some ruckus in the backfield and uh, getting in passing lanes. And then you know the Rams offensive line things kind of started out slow, but they really got yep. things together and opened up a lot of big holes for. Uh, yep. Grady and Dom and and Geisinger so you know a lot of their credit goes to those guys up front for the Rams yeah and and, you know having the you know Askins was back uh, Helmke was back um, you know Geisinger was back so it was it was nice to see you know some of those guys were only playing one way normally they played two but Mm -hmm. um, having those guys back was nice to see that back out there to hopefully this week they'll be even better a little more in shape maybe sure. <laughs> you know they get a little <laughs> bit more wind behind them but you know you you got a note here um you know talking about dominic graziani running the ball for 136 yards and you know i agree with you 100 percent, logan we talked about this friday night man some of the hits that dominic was taking you know he's not a big guy we talked about this friday night he's not a big guy and he just he was taking some shots and then finally at the very end you know he broke one loose and was going down the sideline and tried to get in the end zone and come up hobbling a little bit and man you, you don't need that right um you know when you got somebody like geisinger and 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 Gros- and uh, Gus Weiler in the backfield, you know, let Dominic scramble and get his yards that way and run him periodically to keep everybody honest. Right. But man, oh man. I said too, I know <laughs> some people brought up, you know, they weren't necessarily designed runs right. for Dom, which right. I understand, but you're still giving him on read options. He still has the option. That's why it's called an option. Yeah. He still has the option to pull it. I think, you know, in that case, you get Joey back, you have Grady back, just call straight runs and hand the ball off and live to see another day because, yeah. I mean, he's your starting quarterback and you got to save him. You got to look for longevity of the season and even like playoff run if you get to that point as well so last thing you want is uh guys getting hurt and you know like we said dom is only 511 a buck 70 probably soaking wet Uh, (laughs) but he's not that 6'2 190 pound frame that can go out and just bruise uh play after play after play but uh you know he dom did do a very nice job when he it was called and uh he did a nice job at picking up 136 rushing yards he's shifty he's shifty and he's quick but you know just like man you see him take some shots oh right you feel for him yeah we feel it up (laughs) we feel it upstairs sometimes exactly it's like okay you got up that's good and then on the flip side though fairview i think they still have their head head to keep up high because yeah. that offense you know they had things rolling there for a yeah. little bit and uh it just they just couldn't get things going um really in the second half and uh but that that offense is going to be very good someday we looked across the board and half those kids were freshmen or sophomores oh, yeah. and, and quarterback william Zedike is a sophomore yep. and i really like the way he looked in the pocket and he's going to be one that really develops yep. um and you're going to want to keep it, your eye on him in years to come yeah Zedike he he acted like a senior out there at times he, he just stood back there and, and made the reads i mean the rams defense their defensive back played amazing they yeah. really did. Yeah. So minus, uh, minus any, two or three plays to those there, guys. But, yep. but yeah. Other than that. But yeah, Zedike, you think the week before he threw for about 450 or whatever. And, <laughs> right. But he was just standing back there, had a lot of time and Rams defensive backs uh, came through. All right. Let's keep things rolling here. Looking at Sand Creek, Michigan at Eden. 
This game, uh, we just had some of the player stats, so we'll keep things quick here. But uh, Sand Creek ended up losing this game 24. Eden won it with 52 points. And looking at some key players and stars from Eden, quarterback Kyler Sapp, again, goes out and he produces 28 of 40, 70%, 487 passing yards, six passing touchdowns. He had one rushing touchdown, good for seven total. Wide receiver Kendall Briggle, six receptions, 165 receiving yards. And I'll add the clip to this one. Had a heck of a catch from uh, Kyler Sapp. Kyler Sapp was kind of fading away and, and threw it up in the end zone for about 40, 50 yards. And it was quite the connection. So I'll throw that clip here in the podcast. Wide receiver Max Radabaugh, six receptions, 106 receiving yards, two receiving touchdowns. And then linebacker Cohen Holbert led the team with 11 tackles, one tackle for loss. And defensive back Briggs Gallahue finished with five tackles, two interceptions, and one pass breakup. So uh, any quick thoughts on this game here? I would love to play for Bob Olin <laughs> <laughs> on offense. As, as a quarterback or wide receiver, yeah, especially. Either so. one, right, yeah. yeah. Just just probably not running back. Though. Yeah, running back, maybe not so much, unless you're doing some, uh, you know, like, you know, little bubble passes out of the backfield or something. But other than that, yeah. Yeah, it's just. Yeah, it was just good to see uh, Eden get back out there and you know score a bunch of points like they're used to doing. So uh, another quality week from Eden, and I think Eden's gonna gonna shock a lot of people. I think they'll go on and they'll they'll finish with at least seven plus wins this season. And we kind of discussed that in previous mm-hmm. podcasts. But Eden's got a really good ball club over there, and uh, they're definitely one not to underestimate. Let's move on to the next game here. Delta at Bryan. Bryan ended up winning this game 49-28. to They were actually tied up 14-14 at half. Bryan scored 20 unanswered point, unanswered third quarter points and only gave up one first down in the third quarter. So that defense really kind of came, came alive. And let's talk about Bryan's offense here real quick. Uh, they are averaging 44.75 points per game through four games, which... You think of teams in the area for offenses. You think maybe like Patrick Henry, Antwerp, things like that. But no, Brian is coming out here, and they're probably honestly have one of the top offenses this season. Yep. Um, Overall, they're doing a very nice job there. <laughs> Looking at some key players from Brian, running back Sam Harold, 15 carries, 195 rushing yards, good for 13 a carry, three rushing touchdowns, two receptions for 66 receiving yards. And I said, I think he's probably having one of the best standout seasons by a running back since Edgerton's Hunter Prince or like Patrick Henry's Donnie Johnson because Sam Smith or Sam Harold is coming out and he's just producing every single week. He's averaging 182 yards a game, and he's on pace for 1,820 rushing yards for the regular season, but still has some big opponents ahead, you know, uh, Archbold, Patrick Henry, uh, which is this week, and uh, Liberty Center, too. So we'll see how that goes. Quarterback Jace Kepler was 6 of 12, 125 passing yards, one interception, 12 carries for 77 rushing yards and two rushing touchdowns, and wide receiver Drew Hahn for Brian, three receptions, 51 receiving yards, and one receiving touchdown. Looking at a couple kids from Delta, quarterback Justin Rupel, two rushing touchdowns, one passing touchdown, running back Landon Littermoot, one rushing touchdown, and wide receiver Richard Flores had a 19-yard touchdown reception. So what are your thoughts on the Delta at Brian game? I'm right there with you with uh, Brian's offense being a powerhouse this, uh, this season. Unfortunately, it seems like their defense is – a little shaky. I know they gave up a bunch of points last week to Fairview, giving up 28 points to Delta here. Like, you know, they, they got to figure out what's going on on the defensive side of things, especially when they get up to games against like Archbold, Liberty Center, Patch Henry. They're going to, they're, those teams are going to make their defense really work. Yeah, this week they play Patrick Henry, so we'll see. We'll see uh, two two heads there. But yeah, when you think of offenses in the area, like Brian doesn't even come to mind, honestly. No. But then when you see their numbers, uh, especially Sam Harold, like you said, Hunter Prince, I think was probably one of the last few in the area to get to two thousand, and that was probably three, four, three years ago. So yeah, I believe so. Yep. 
Yeah, and just, uh, you know, I was going to give Coach Redhead a little bit of flack here. You know, you, you, you're the defensive guy, Coach Redhead. You got, <laughs> you got to get some things figured out, man. Um, but no, yeah, Brian's offense has been been doing well, and if they get the defensive side of things figured out, but we're going to see we, they're going to come into the meat of their schedule here. You know, Patrick Henry, then you'll have Liberty Center and Archibald here coming up, so um, they're going to get it figured out quick. All right, let's keep things rolling. Look at the next game: Anthony Wayne at Napoleon. Anthony Wayne won this game thirty-one to fourteen, and kind of shocking. Napoleon was leading fourteen-seven with seven oh two left in the third quarter, and Anthony Wayne then scored twenty-four unanswered points to win the game. And going into this game, I honestly, I don't think anyone really thought uh, that Napoleon was going to have a chance. And they thought Anthony Wayne was just going to come in, arrive and take care of business and leave. But uh, Napoleon had other plans and they were really in a dogfight late in this game. Looking at total yardage, Anthony Wayne had 365 yards. Napoleon had 249 yards. Anthony Wayne rushed for 315 yards while Napoleon went with the passing attack and had 168 yards through the air. Looking at a couple key players from Napoleon, quarterback Owen Espinoza, 20 of 33. He had 168 passing yards, one passing touchdown. Wide receiver defensive back Trey Rubenstein, 10 receptions, 70 receiving yards, one receiving touchdown, and one interception on defense. And this is another kid. I think he is probably one of the best athletes in the area. Yep. I have yep. a couple highlights that I'm going to attach to this, this little uh, Anthony Wayne Napoleon segment. Unbelievable. There's an interception that he had. He literally caught it over his shoulder like he was a wide receiver, ran the other way for like an, another 30 yards or so, and it was just an unbelievable play. But, uh, you know, we talked about early in the season, we got to see him play against Defiance. And he really he, – he is – the guy for Napoleon. He's the guy that goes out there, sparks sparks plays on special teams, on offense, on defense. He's the guy, and uh, he's really doing a nice job this season. So one, he's one to definitely keep your eyes out for. And then running back Lawson Seibel had a three-yard touchdown run. So, guys, thoughts on the Anthony Wayne at Napoleon game? It's almost like it's a carbon copy of the opener versus Defiance where Napoleon true, led yeah, like midway true. to uh, late third quarter. And things just went south again for Coach Schwery. But as you said, Logan, any any time Napoleon plays, Trey Rubenstein's probably the top player, if not the top one or two players on the field, and just got a game plan around him to eliminate him. And you look too; he's going out there and performing against teams like Defiance, yeah. which they're having a heck of a season, a Liberty Center team, Anthony Wayne. Yep. Uh, just going out there and it's every single game is a big play or something that he's contributing to put Napoleon um, and give them a chance to go out and compete. Yeah. And you, I think, you know, if you, as you've seen with these teams that they've been playing, they're, they're, they're making a halftime adjustment and taking that out. I mean, that's what they did. Defiance had kind of did that too. He had a bunch of catches in the first half and not so many in the second half. And then, um, you know, Anthony Wayne kind of looks like they did the same thing. Maybe, um, you know, he had 10 receptions. I don't know how many was in the first half, how many was in the second half, but you know, they shut him down kind of in the second half. So maybe they're making some good halftime adjustments and just saying, hey, put an athlete on athlete. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, those are scenarios, too, where, I mean, if you're smart and teams know that you have one really stud, that's where you start bracketing and things like that and take them out of yeah. the equation. But that's where the other guys in the point have to step up and really make plays to, to go out and try to win the ball game. So uh, let's go ahead. We'll move on to the next game here. Antwerp at Hicksville. Antwerp came away with this one big, 39-6. Looking at the turnover battle, Antwerp had one, which is a fumble. Hicksville, none. Total yards of offense, Antwerp had 454 yards to Hicksville's 121. Couple key players here from Antwerp: quarterback Carson Ultimus, seven of 15, 47 percent, 255 passing yards, five passing touchdowns, three carries for 20 yards, and uh, that was close to what we said, which we kind of predicted. And I believe AJ said too, around 300 yards, not 500 passing yards, <laughs> blindfolded, uh, blindfolded left and left-handed. So <laughs> we kind of figured it would be somewhere around there. So we were pretty close. Running back Reed Leachy, again, he's 
he's got to be, I think, one of the best running backs in the area as well. He goes out there and he's always going to rush for 100 to 200 yards a game, sometimes more. But he finished with 15 carries, 127 rushing yards, eight and a half yards a carry, one rushing touchdown. He did have three receptions for 25 receiving yards. Wide receiver Cam Fuller finished with five receptions for 155 receiving yards and three receiving touchdowns. And linebacker Dane Scholl led defense for Antwerp with 10 tackles and he had two tackles for loss. Looking at a couple of key players from Hicksville, wide receiver Brant Langham had 107 receiving yards and running back George Green finished with 65 rushing yards and he had one 29-yard rushing touchdown late in the fourth quarter. So thoughts on the Antwerp-Hicksville game? Well, one thing I want to bring up is, is Ultimus is just out. I mean, he's just coming out and performing week after week after week. And, you know, guys, you look, he was 7 of 15. He was only 47%. But five of those completions were for touchdowns. <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah. You know what I mean, it's like That's a good point. So, um, and I just heard somebody say something today that when they play Ultimus, he's they say he's super smart. You know, he can pick it's you like apart. Like a coach on the field, basically. Yeah. Yep. So he can pick you apart. So, I mean, it's uh, it's nice to have a quarterback like that, and he just sits back there. And I guarantee, you know, we talked about this. He probably could have had 500 yards, but I'm sure he was done sure. early in the third. Um, probably come out. So, um, but yeah, just another good game from Antwerp. I think more more impressive for me is yeah, with five touchdowns. You had seven completions for two hundred and fifty five yards. Right. I was about to say the same mean, thing. Yeah, that's, that's that's astonishing. It really is. Uh but yeah, Antwerp and Snore this week. Um we'll see. Good good game last year. And a good game the year before. Could, so could be the game of the GMC yeah, yep. too. We'll so see. Uh, a lot going on for the Green Meadows Conference this week, Tenora and Antwerp. So, and I believe uh, Reed Leachty is close to becoming Antwerp's all-time leading rusher. I think he. Oh, can really? Break that wouldn't surprise me. Possibly can break it this week. Okay, I believe, so. that'd be pretty cool to see. Yeah. So, we'll see a lot of records. Oh yeah, closer, all being broken this <laughs> year. Ash Meyer yeah. breaking records and Brogan breaking or well yeah. getting up there in record books yeah. and so a lot of cool things. Let's keep things rolling here. Swanton at Wasion. Wasion came away with this one, 48 to 12. And Wasion really just dominated this game. 469 yards of total offense to Swanton's 136. Turnover battle. Wasion had none, which we said, you know, Wasion has to really go out and prove themselves, especially on offense. And Swanton had one fumble. Looking at some key players from Wasion, quarterback Trey Parsons was 16 of 18, very efficient, 89%. 239 passing yards, four passing touchdowns. He did have one carry for 22 rushing yards and one rushing touchdown. Good for five total touchdowns on the game. Wide receiver Tyson Rodriguez had eight receptions, 81 receiving yards, and two receiving touchdowns. Wide receiver Wyatt Smith, three catches, 81 rec receiving yards, and one receiving touchdown. And linebacker Austin Kovar had 10 tackles to lead the team. So thoughts on the Wasion Swanton game? And just that uh, Wasion just needs to keep rolling. They, they've got things figured out here for a little bit. But, uh, again, they're going to come into the meat of the schedule as yep. well. So yep. I think that's something, too. Uh, Wasion's getting a lot of questions this year about are they the real deal, this and that. So, you know, they really need to start playing the best ball of the season because they've got a gauntlet of a schedule coming yep. up with teams like Liberty Center, Patrick Henry, Archbold, and uh, even Brian, too. So yeah, yeah. really going to have to see uh, what Wasion's really made of uh, going forward. But, uh, you know, nice performance against Swanton. And they basically went out there and did what they, they were kind of expected to do. So uh, on the flip side, Swanton's just got to keep trucking through and trying to get through this little grind of uh, a drought for their program. And that's uh, hard to do, but uh, those kids got to keep their heads up and keep on moving forward. So, all right, let's move on to the next game. Wayne Trace at Edgerton. Wayne Trace ended up winning this one big, 42-6. to six, And uh, they won at Edgerton, which Edgerton's always a tough place to win at. 
And this was really a statement game going into Edgerton and winning by 36 points. Wayne Trace put up 402 yards of total offense while Edgerton had 185. Turnover battle, Wayne Trace won with zero. Edgerton had two fumbles. Looking at key players from Wayne Trace, quarterback Kyle Stoller was 12 of 22. 189 passing yards, three passing touchdowns. He had 10 carries for 88 rushing yards. Running back Tucker Antone had 12 carries, 71 rushing yards. He had one reception for 10 receiving yards and one receiving touchdown. And the last player for Wayne Trace was wide receiver Cole Moorhead. Four receptions, 70 receiving yards, and one receiving touchdown. A couple of players from Edgerton. Quarterback Maddox Baker was 17 of 29. Uh, 147 passing yards, one passing touchdown. Wide receiver Kellen Sanchez had three receptions, 57 receiving yards, one receiving touchdown. And linebacker Joel Walkup, 15 and a half tackles, led the team in one tackle for loss. And I said a little note with him. He's similar to Paulding's Jack Woods. Both kids are having phenomenal years at linebacker, and they continue to perform week in and week out on defense. And, you know, both those kids are probably some of the best linebackers and defensive players in the GMC. So thoughts on the Wayne Trace at Edgerton game? Kind of, uh, go ahead, AJ. I was going to say, this really was kind of a statement uh, game for Wayne Trace. And it kind of, it's unfortunate. It looks like Edgerton's having a bit of a down year right now. They're, they're struggling. Um, but Wayne Trace looks like they're coming out firing on all cylinders and could be a, a threat to the GMC. You know, we kind of talked about them a little bit. Uh, what's also cool is they were, looks like they were fairly split on offense. Uh, Kyler Stoller was 12, uh, you know, had 12 completions. Tucker Antone had 12 carries. Like, you know, they're, they're getting that dual threat going on on their offense. Yeah, kind of a bounce back win for Wayne Trace after that uh, tough loss to Crestview. So uh, Coach Holden and them had had the boys ready to uh, play at Edgerton. Yeah, and just uh, it's a tough place to go in and play. Nice win. Yeah. All right, let's move on to the next game. Patrick Henry at Evergreen. Patrick Henry ended up shutting Evergreen out. Uh, 38 to nothing. Patrick Henry's defense also played lights out this game, which I think that continues to improve for the Patriots. They only gave up 135 yards of total offense, and they won the turnover battle one to nothing. And Patrick Henry's rushing attack stole the show this game, led by running back Houston Miranda, which he's another kid in the area that continues to improve each week. And it's really been a nice compliment to Patrick Henry's offense this year. Uh, Houston Miranda finished with 15 carries, 193 rushing yards, good for 12.9 yards a carry with three rushing touchdowns. He had touchdown runs of 32, 70, and 2. So, man, can he really break off some big runs. Wide receiver Lincoln Krieger, six receptions, 71 receiving yards. Wide receiver Thomas Smith, two receptions, 40 receiving yards, one receiving touchdown. Quarterback Nash Meyer was 12 of 16, again, efficient, 75%. 152 passing yards and one passing touchdown. Wide receiver defensive back Landon Johnson had three receptions, 35 receiving yards, and he had one interception on defense, returned for a touchdown. A couple of key players from Evergreen, running back Max Mossing, finished with 12 carries for 80 rushing yards. Wide receiver Colton Robertson finished with four receptions, which led the team for 24 receiving yards. And linebacker J.J. Johnson led the team with five tackles. So thoughts on this NWAL matchup here. Uh, for me, each week, the first thing I look at when I get the Saturday paper is Houston Miranda. <laughs> Honestly, <laughs> I want to see what Patrick Henry did on the ground as compared to through the air. Last year, kind of relied on Nash quite a bit. This year, as we said, we interviewed Coach I, once, wanted to install the tight end and have a little more balanced run pass. And again, if, if you ask Coach I and you could see these numbers every single week, he would be the happiest coach in Northwest Ohio. You do. You look at the, you know, Miranda's got twelve point nine yards of carry. You know, yep. shout out to the offensive line. You yep. guys are doing your job. There's no way he's running for twelve point nine right, yards right. of carry by himself. So I mean, 
keep up the good work you're, you're letting houston run back there and, and uh so just keep going yeah and they, you know like we said and coach i said they want to run a lot more 11 personnel uh with a tight end and a running back and i believe grant smith i think is the guy at tight end he's been doing a really nice job blocking and he's a big frame and he's tearing things up on the defensive side of the ball as well so patrick henry's got things rolling yeah. and uh you know, I, AP poll came out and they're, I think they're number two yep. in division yep. seven. So two. Um, they're getting a lot of recognition right now and right, rightfully so. So keep up the good work. And on the flip side, Evergreen, you know, they're showing improvement this year and uh, Coach Box doing some really good things there and taking over from Coach Karchner last year. Yep. And, uh, yep. you know, Evergreen's kind of on the cusp, but, you know, they get another big win this year. Uh, really, that could be a good program changer. So we'll see how the Vikings do the rest of the season. Next game here, we got a couple more and we're all done with the game recaps. Ottawa Glandorf at Elida. Uh, Ottawa Glandorf lost this one 8 to 30. <clears throat> Looking at some different stats from the game, it was a tough outing again for Ottawa Glandorf. OG had 152 yards of total offense to Elida's 279. You look at third down efficiency, OG just kind of struggled. They were two of nine for 22% compared to Elida's eight of 13 for 62%. And they actually tied up the turnover battle. OG had two with two interceptions and Elida had two with two fumbles. Looking at some key players from Ottawa Glandorf, wide receiver Grant Schroeder, four receptions, 57 receiving yards, and one receiving touchdown. And linebacker Dane Dooling had 11 tackles. He led the team. He also had a sack and a tackle for loss as well. So thoughts on the Ottawa Glandorf Elida game? I don't have much to say other than, uh, man, OG's just uh, having a tough run here. Yeah, I think Elida is probably one of the more surprised teams in the area this year, really. Yeah, Elida came out, and I believe they were, uh, what were they? Four and six last year, yeah, I believe. But I think they were, this game, they were, what, three and oh? Or I think I so. I believe they had at least three wins yeah. coming into this game. So, uh, again, it's just another, another tough uh, loss for Ottawa Glandorf. And uh, I think really kind of going into the season, we thought things would kind of turn around. But we, we said, too, programs just kind of go through these spurts, and uh, they just got to keep trying to at least go out compete and really try to pull off and string together a couple wins here to really to put together the rest of their season so right. just another another tough game for ottawa glandorf but again uh, just keep going out there and grinding that's all you can do yep looking at the last game here of our game recaps danbury at holgate and holgate won this one big 60 to 12. again holgate's high-powered offense prevailed with 500 yards of total offense compared to danbury's 148 and unbelievable, Holgate only had two third downs the entire game and converted on both. Just to put that in, into perspective, two third downs the entire game. That means that they were never basically behind the sticks, and they were either getting a first down on every first down they had or every second down. So that's just very impressive, and I, I was, thought that was crazy to see that stat. Uh, Holgate actually had four different players with a rushing touchdown, including McCord, Dillon, and Zach Boker. Uh, and Mendoza. And looking at turnover battle, Holgate tied Danbury two apiece. And some key players from Holgate, quarterback defensive back Xavier McCord is a highlight show over there. 8 of 12 for 67%. 158 passing yards, three passing touchdowns. He had two carries for 51 rushing yards, one rushing touchdown. And he also had six tackles on defense. And then wide receiver, linebacker Dylan Boker, two receptions, 71 receiving yards, two receiving touchdowns. He had two carries for 51 rushing yards, and he had one rushing touchdown. Good for three total touchdowns on offense. And then he had six tackles and three tackles for loss on defense. So, guys, thoughts on the Holgate Tigers? Love to see Holgate continue to perform the way they perform uh, in this eight-man league and, and representing Northwest Ohio very, very well. Yeah, it's a safety record, like you said, just keeps coming in week after week and just... Shoelace. 
Yes. Like Denard Robinson out there <laughs> making plays. Oh, uh, don't compare him to Denard. Come on. <laughs> hey, I'm a Michigan don't, guy. Don't do that to I'm him. I'm a Michigan guy. Denard, Denard was pre, he was pretty exciting to watch, uh, and so is Xavier as well. So And we've been talking about the eight-man game for a long time, and I think um, our friends over at Black Swamp, I think Lynn and uh, Coach Struck, I think they're actually covering this game Friday night. Oh, are they really? Yes. That's pretty cool. Yeah, so they'll have that on their, their radio cast. Yeah, I think the Crusaders that are coming in, they're 3-0 three, yeah. three and o yeah. as well, so it should be a big-time matchup, yeah. and uh, get out there and watch some eight-man football because uh holy it's doing some really good things this yeah. year yep. so i got to coach eight man uh last right. week guys so last thursday our seventh graders played against holgate and we played the eight man and um they were wanting us to respray our whole field because i didn't know this the oh, field's really? actually smaller yeah yeah um, right. and i didn't know that they're like hey are you gonna respray the field and i'm like spray what respray the field what are you talking about <laughs> i'm like i didn't know so uh so i learned that right off the right off the bat but i tell you what it's, it's a little different it's a little different uh eight man versus 11 man but uh it was fun all right. Well, that concludes our game recaps. We're going to go ahead and take a break to hear from our sponsors. Three Chord is a family-owned and operated business who offers the highest quality embroidery, screen printing, sign and promotional items to customers in Northwest Ohio at competitive prices. Locations in Archibald, Napoleon, and Bowling Green. Check them out at threecord.com. That's T-H-R-E-E-C-O-R-D.com. BSN Sports is your go-to business for purchasing uniforms, equipment, spirit wear, and anything else your athletic program needs, giving you more time to impact lives in the field. With over 1,200 sales professionals who live, work, and serve in your community, we are always just a short drive or phone call away. Be sure to give your local sales rep and Jim Garris a call for any of your athletic supply needs. We're back on the NW Sports Podcast, and with it being the halfway point of the season, we're rolling out the Coach's Corner segment of the podcast. And this week, we have head coach of the Tenor Rams and Eric Becker joining us. So thanks for coming on the show today, Coach. Thanks for having me, guys. All right. Let's kick things off. Um, you know, like I said, we're coming up on the halfway point of the 2023 football season. Uh, with that being said, how do you feel your team is sitting right now? Finally healthy. Uh, <laughs> it, it's It's been a process. Uh, we kind of held Joey and Graham back a little bit from the concussion. I know they're seniors. They wanted to be out there. They wanted to go. Um, just playing it safe with those guys knowing more than likely a second concussion coming back too early would put them out for the remainder of the season. Um, they're wearing the guardian caps at practice now to help negate some of the head-on-head -head collision. Uh, other than that, getting Aiden back, finally having our starting front five back since the first half of Liberty. Definitely. Um, I think that showed dividends Friday night. It took him a hot minute to get gelling right. again Friday night. But I think as the game wore on, you started to see those five know each other and have each other's back and started rolling. And then the run game really took off. And you know, on the defensive side, those first three weeks, I mean, it's a juggernaut yeah. each week. Uh, giving that. I think we were averaging giving up 325 yards a game, I think is what we figured out. And just trying to get back to us, knowing going into league play, trying to have some kind of foreshadowing of, hey, these games are going to help us out in the long run. And I think finally Friday night that showed uh, we were the more physical team on the field. and. I think they felt it. So I think we're finally sitting in a really good spot going in to the second half of the season. 
Yeah, and you led into my next point, and I was just about to say, obviously it's no secret that Tenora has played one of the toughest, if not the toughest, out-of-conference schedules in Northwest Ohio. Uh, but really, uh, what are your thoughts, and we kind of discussed this here, what are your thoughts on playing tough non-conference schedule and uh, with the way things are now with 16 teams making the playoffs? You know, I'm sure there's, there's pros and cons, like we kind of talked about both. What are your kind of thoughts of playing such a tough schedule you know, with the ability to make the playoffs with 16 teams per region? Even with the 16 getting in, your non-conference still has to hold some weight. You still need the computer points. You still want to be one of the top eight teams. You'd really, you got to have those first three games like that if you want to be a top four seed and have the chance to host the first two weeks of the playoffs. You just can't go out there and start scheduling teams that you know is going to be an automatic win when they might go two and eight or one and nine. It's not going to do anything for you down the road. If you really want to go in, position yourself the best you can, you still got to pack the front end a little bit. Yeah, that's a very good point. And actually, I just read something today for North Central, and it's uh, Drew Pastor's Fantastic 50. I like to follow him for a lot of stats and stuff. And they actually said, I, I believe if North Central wins out and they go 9-1, and one, I don't think they can even host a playoff game. So that just kind of shows, you know, where strength of schedule comes wow. in. And, yep. um, okay. So very good point, like you said, I, I too. Think, I think they play two, maybe three games that are out of state, right. which yeah. is yep. also yep. not helping. Right. But, that, yeah, like you said, I mean, that was just kind of a point that, you know, it does. Jeez. I mean, yeah, it can definitely we, help you out. And so. we talked about Antwerp's, you know, playing Hilltop and Montpelier and Eden, I think it was, right? And it's, right. You know, they were talking about that earlier on, but geez, and, and then we compared it to your guys' schedule. You know, somebody's at Seago and Archibald. It's like, holy smokes, uh, two totally different realms there. All right. Well, I'm going to kind of open it up to these guys and if, see if they have any questions for you, Coach. Uh, I just, I'll start off by saying I, I think I can speak for the entire Tenora community when I say we're we're very proud of of what you've accomplished here with all the ups and downs and everything coming into uh, week five now with a two and two record still doing very well showing that you're definitely a team to compete in the GMC it's it's an awesome thing uh, and and you definitely mentioned Fairview that game this past Friday uh, was it was really nice to see you guys start to gel on offense again. Um, I, the, the offense has definitely been kind of up and down, a little all over the place this year. Uh, what has been the most challenging thing to overcome as far as getting the new offense kind of implemented? Finding the best positions for the skilled players. We have a ton of them. I yeah. mean, yep. we have an abundance of skilled players. We have more skilled players than we do linemen, which was the hard point. We had to take Graham from being a tight end, H-back style guy in put them down on the line because we needed another athletic body down there. Um, just getting the consistency. I think that's the most challenging that it's been so far is finding the consistency, hitting the open guys, taking the right reads, knowing when to pull. Um, Dom is doing the best he can right now. I mean, it's a lot to get installed. I mean, I think the last we looked, there's probably three, four hundred plays that we could go to, wow. um, and I'm sure Tony can attest to it. We gave them yeah. a ton for the junior high to go into, and just finding the best plays for the guys. What works best for Grady might not work the best for Joey. Both really good athletes, but they have their own tweaks. What works for Rostai? What routes work best for uh, 
Caden, what works best for Carter, what works best for Jake when we get Jake out on the field, Bishop, which, you know, people want to say, oh, he's just a kicker. That kid's an athlete. <laughs> uh, you guys can all attest yeah. to it. He's oh, yeah, running around. Yep. Uh, getting Owen out there. Owen's huge. We got to be able to find a way to consistently get Owen involved to take the top end off of defense. But you got to be able to run the ball for get people to start coming up yep. to where they start solo covering Owen. So just find the consistency. Uh, and we're grinding through it. I said it, I had another podcast yesterday, and between me, Charlie, and Casey, Coach Good, Elmer, we grind. I mean, yes. people don't understand how much time coaches actually put in. You know, Sunday the guys were there for almost four hours just working on defensive stuff in case he didn't finish it up till Monday. So there's a lot of time that goes in that people don't see. They see you out there during the week at practice, Friday night on a game. You know, Friday nights are easy. I don't want to make it sound like something that's not. It's, I know what you mean. <laughs> it's anybody who coach knows when you're on that sideline, you're in your happy place. It, nothing else matters but that next two hours. Yep. I agree. I, agree with, I agree with that 100 percent, Eric. It's you know being a coach myself and you know, with softball. I, I always tell I always tell those girls the best place for me is to be sitting back on the bench with my legs on the bucket, man. I, <laughs> I I want you guys to understand what you're doing so that way you know when it comes to Friday night, everything gets easier. All you guys do is kind of direct the the orchestra. Um, everybody knows how to do their play and all that kind of stuff. And all you're doing is kind of leading the charge. Exactly. Tony, you got any questions? Um, not really, I, you know, just, uh, you know, with everything that's been going on, Eric, you guys have done a great job and, and, uh, you know, what is your, you, you mentioned that you have a lot of athletes and I noticed there was a little bit of, we, we all caught, we caught on to it right away, uh, Friday night that you, you had Radzik run the ball a couple times. And, you know, what are your thoughts about getting more people involved as far as carries and stuff like that? It, it was kind of something that had to be done out of necessity. Uh, Carter is normally plays the slot receiver for us. He got a little bit banged up against Archbold. Uh, Bruce ribs thought they might have been broken, went in, x-rays were negative, and we kind of limited them going throughout the week. And it's kind of funny you say limit them, then we play them on defense. <laughs> and he, he's a missile on the back end of the defense. He He's one of the guys that is just an absolute leader. You look at him, you never expect this kid to just come up and just lay the hammer on somebody. And he's been like that since he's little. He's a really special kid for us. Um, but we knew we were going to have to take him off the offensive side of the ball. And now that people are finally getting back healthy, we can start rotating those skilled guys a little bit more, bringing Jake in. Uh, Dylan Shively is a sophomore. We moved him from quarterback to a receiver because we know we're going to need another tall, lanky receiver yep. next year. So getting him into it this year is really helping out. He finally got to get his first snaps with the varsity Friday night. Um, Jake got involved at Seago. Uh, again, Friday night, I don't think he had any catches Friday night, but getting him out there, getting him running the routes, getting confidence in Dom to throw those guys the ball. Keith? Uh, yeah, Coach. Um, yeah, again, congratulations. I mean, you've been like the best here <laughs> with, with all the, the time you put into the program um, and everything you've had going on. Is, is there something like from a coaching standpoint that's like better or worse than what you thought before you accepted the job? You're kind of like, wow, this is really taking a lot more time than what I thought it would. 
a lot of the behind the scenes not i'm not gonna say anything bad about that it the school the administration uh Jake Essig coming in as the AD, a slam dunk hire. Jake is phenomenal. Yeah, He's going to be a rock yeah. star for us. Um, the people in the community, once they get to know him, yep. Jake is absolutely killing it yep. behind the scenes. He's doing a great job. Uh, Mr. Nossinger, the principal, nothing but great things, open arms, whatever we need help with. He's right there. Um, then Mrs. Wells leading the charge. Yep. Um, phenomenal superintendent anything that they can do for us and help us out they have done that's awesome so the behind the scenes the ordering of equipment <laughs> that stuff is just the, the, that could go away if we could coach for 12 months a year out on the field do stuff like that that'd be phenomenal the behind the scenes that stuff's it takes some getting used to. <laughs> uh, another follow-up question I have for you, Coach, is playing uh, Fairview last week with a similar offense that uh, Antwerp will have, did that kind of help you for your defensive plan coming into this week versus Antwerp? There were some wrinkles we wanted to try and throw in last week. Mm -hmm. We knew they were going to go five wide, right, go right. two by two, spread us out, try some different formations. So there were some things that we were like, hey, we can use this week to help us prepare. Not that you wanted to look past. Coach Rake is doing a phenomenal oh, job yeah, we, over we've there. We've out a million times here. Like their sophomore class is probably going to be probably not as talented as Antwerp senior class, but it won't be too far behind. No, they're, they're going to be special yep. here before long. He does a phenomenal job over there. Um, they're taking their lumps. They're learning yep. a new system just like our kids are. Um, he's going to have tremendous success over there again probably in that in the near two future right. um you know i kind of lost my train of thought <laughs> I, it's <clears throat> what are your thoughts coming up into this week playing antwerp follow the game plan stick to the game plan don't do your own thing um we kind of saw that last year I, we lost a 50-50 ball yeah. towards yeah. the end of the game yeah. when a kid didn't follow his assignment. Um, not to take anything away from them last year. They got to go out there and they got to be the most physical team on the field again. It, nothing is more evident than that. You've got to be the most physical team, whether you run a spread or not. You want to run a full house, you want to run the wing tee, you want to run a spread. You still have to have the physicality in the game. And that's what we've been preaching to the kids. and. Now that the weather's cooling down, it's really going to show. We'll wrap things up here with just a few other questions. Um, where would you like to see the Rams grow and improve in this second half of the season? Consistency. Being able to con just consistently do what we want to do. Run when we want to run. Let Dom let the ball loose when he wants to. I think he showed a little bit Friday night. We were in a short fourth down, and it was – right around midfield that we were just on the other side and you know you got a really good punter in jake and we just felt at that point in time hey, let's just go for it we can get this it's going to be a little momentum boost i think at that point in time it was still zero zero and we picked that one up and i think we went eventually down and scored and had a really good drive if yeah. we can put together drives like we did friday night and actually methodically yep. move down the field right 
that when we say consistency, that's what we want. We want to be able to take, yeah, we're a spread. We can throw the ball around. But we want to be able to march down the field methodically. Everybody loves to score in one or two plays, but then turn around and put your defense back on the field right, for exactly. seven, eight yeah. plays and wear the kids out over there. So being smart with the play calls, Coach Kelly's doing a phenomenal job on the offensive side. Casey's doing a phenomenal job on the defensive side. Now it's, hey, we're in league play. We know these guys like the back of our hand. Um, there's probably not a whole lot of wrinkles people are going to throw or we're going to throw at people that surprises anybody. So consistency is the biggest key going forward. I got one last thing for you. If you get a win versus Antwerp, am I going to get a chance to interview you after the game? That all depends how your pick goes later. <laughs> he, actually, he actually said that a little bit ago, Eric, so you nailed it. Yeah, you did. I said, I'm going to ask Eric this, and we'll see what he has to say. So. And you got the answer you expected. I, I still had to crack up the, I think it was the Otsego game, yep. and I was I was going on the field, and it's like you had your eyes on me like a hawk and screaming across the field, no. And I got a pretty good kick out of it, because these guys were wondering, like, Yeah, it was funny. We, we, you know, we got a walkie-talkie. It's how we communicate back and forth, just a little walkie-talkie. And I'm like, hey, Eric's going down to 30. Hey, he's on. He's going. To, he's going over to the bench. Because <laughs> back, he was like, "Yeah, he said no." <laughs> and so. there was there was a lot of things going on that sure, Friday sure. that yeah. I hadn't let anybody right. in yeah. on, sure. especially with on the side of Amber. And you know, I walked after we were in the middle of the field, and everybody was grouped up. And I said my what I had to say to the kids. I just walked back over the bench, and I think it was Jake and Eric Wimpkin walked up behind me, and I go. That's what it's about right there. Right there. Right. Yep. Just, just look yep. out there. Yep. Look at the yep. kids. Look at the yep. fans. That right there makes it worth it. I, I think exactly. we talked about afterwards, actually, because when Logan came up and said he didn't want to talk, I was like, well, just look at him down there. He's just soaking everything in right now. It, it was it was actually one of our favorite uh, moments of the season so there, far. There so. were a lot of emotions going Absolutely. on right there yeah. on that sideline, just taking in yep. the first win, yep. beating somebody that, you know, most people, I'm pointing the big guy <laughs> who led the charge of, you know, and I get it. He just, he can't pick us every week. It's hard for you guys to pick us yeah. every week. We get that. You know, we use a little bit of fuel every once hey, in a hey. while. I, I always say, just because if we don't pick you, that doesn't mean we don't want to see you win. Right. Believe it, it, me, 100, 100 times out of 100, I want to see the Rams go out there and win. But it's, always, the, it's, it's all in fun nature. That so. was the one time I, I didn't pick you guys. And, I, you know, everybody's like, well, you didn't pick them. I'm like, man, I'm seriously, just being honest, with, with the injuries that you guys had. And, you know, I thought, oh, my gosh, that's going to devastate their, their offensive defensive line. You're really going to be struggling. But I tell you what, the way those kids stepped up then at uh, that at Seagull game, uh, Dude, that was that was an awesome, that, awesome display. That, right? was, that was a fun one. Uh, it was special in many ways. Like I said, there was a ton of emotions going through yeah. us, and we kind of threw it at the kids this week. And we said, you know, go back to last year. We lost to a Liberty team that we thought we had a chance to beat. Yeah. I mean, the game went how it did. We went down to Lima and played LCC and pulled out a heck of a win down there that nobody thought we were going to be able to do. So we went down there and, you know, week three, I don't remember who it was we lost. Or no, we beat we beat Wasion and then we beat LCC. So we were going into week four, like, oh, hey, we're doing one and we're pretty, sitting pretty good here. And then you get Antwerp week. And <laughs> here lately, even going back to Bryson Hayden's senior year, it was 13-7 with a 50-50 yeah. ball for us Right. to lose yep. yeah um coach hale's doing a tremendous job over there all him and coach uh 
or in the matter of the AD, he oh, uh, Altus, 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 yeah. he he's done a phenomenal job over there in his career. Um, there's a lot of mutual respect both ways going into this week, so it's going to be fun. Yeah, even, over like there you Friday. said, you know, even even last year, you guys were a throw away from tying or winning that game last year. It was a fourth down, I think, a fell incomplete in the end zone. So yeah, it uh, it's going to be fun Friday night. Yeah, yeah we agree. Looking forward to the it. boys ready. They're dialed in. Last week they were a little bit more focused. This week, I know the kids are all over it. One of the other one's house right now, and they're going over the scouting report, watching film. That's awesome. And this might be the first week that we've actually heard them say, "Oh, hey, we're going here." And <laughs> right. It's locked in, and they've been waiting. We put it on the scouting report. You know, they've had to feel this one for 365 days. It, yeah. Right. It's 22 years of not losing then they they were the ones they yeah. a lot of them were starters last year and they took that burden on their back and they want to do something special friday night they want to let the world know hey we're here all right well we'll wrap things up here uh just want to thank you coach becker for taking time out of your busy week to yep. join us tonight and good luck this friday and the rest of the season so we appreciate you coming on thank you guys yep, thanks coach. all right thank you, coach we're gonna take a break to hear from our sponsors and we'll be right back for any of your auto body or collision needs, be sure to check out Bat and Stevens Body Shop, voted the number one body shop in Northwest Ohio by Crescent News Readers. Give them a call today at 419-497-3111 to schedule your free estimate. Check out Tenora Rams Live. Live events broadcast on YouTube and post-game results, articles, schedules, and more can all be found on TenoraRams.com. Feel free to look up their Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram pages as well. Fairchild Family Chiropractic aims to help families to get better together in the least invasive way possible. Dr. Fairchild focuses on the neck using the Blair Technique and Palmer Package adjusting to correct spinal misalignments. Located in Defiance, Ohio, call Dr. Fairchild today at 419-576-5070 to schedule an appointment. Back on the NWO Sports Podcast, and we're going into Player of the Week from Week 4, and uh, we had a lot of good performances again, and uh, we got it kind of narrowed down, and uh, we're going to go through the nominee list, and then the guys will talk about some guys that uh, had really good performances, and then I'll release the Player of the Week from Week 4 for NWO Sports. So let's go ahead. Let's rattle them off. Liberty Center running back, linebacker Trenton Cruz. Van Wert quarterback safety, Brylan Parker. Defines quarterback, Brez Zipfel. Defiance wide receiver Anthony Wilder, Ayersville wide receiver Abe Delano, Paulding linebacker Jack Woods, Tenora run, running back linebacker Grady Gusweiler, Eden quarterback Kyler Sapp, Eden wide receiver Kendall Briggle, Brian running back Sam Harrell, Antwerp quarterback Carson Altimus, Antwerp wide receiver Cam Fuller, Wasion quarterback Trey Parsons, Wayne Trace quarterback Kyle Stoller, Patrick Henry running back Houston Miranda, Holgate quarterback defensive back Xavier McCord, Holgate wide receiver linebacker Dylan Boker, and one guy, I know we didn't get Montpelier stats, but uh, this was sent in. Montpelier, defensive line, Eli Fackler, he had six total sacks last game, um, which is a single-game record, uh, single-season record so far. He's at eight and career leader with 12 so far. So he had a, quite the performance for Montpelier. So uh, who wants to kick it off? Someone, that a uh, player that they were kind of looking at for player of the week. Go ahead, AJ. You can start. Yeah, I was kind of looking at uh, you know Brylan Parker. I know we had we gave him one earlier in the season so already, but uh, you know he's continuing to come out and do very well, uh, and it, it potentially has won them that game, uh, and maybe even won them the conference, depending on where they fall with uh, you know Wapak and things like that. Uh, coming out and going twenty-one for thirty with one hundred and eighty-one passing yards, uh, you know that's awesome. On top of the fact that he had three touchdowns he was responsible for three touchdowns and six tackles on defense so he's kind of all over the ball doing very well uh you know rushing and passing so definitely 
keeping things going there. Yep. Uh, me, I, again, um, had Houston Miranda, uh, 15 carries, 193 yards, uh, three touchdowns. Just he seems to be doing better and better every week. The PH offensive line uh, open up the holes. Miranda's busting through. And as we said, Coach I probably happy he's got a 50-50 run pass balance, if, if not more, actually. And for me, I kind of like the the duo from Defiance, Brez Zippo and Anthony Wilder. I mean, Brez was fourteen to twenty, and nine of those nine of those were to was to Anthony Wilder. So, um, you know, Brez threw for four touchdowns, and, and Anthony caught three of them. So, um, to me, that that's a nice duo that picked up the slack a little bit for Brogan Castillo being missing. Yep. And all those athletes had excellent performances, uh, but the guy that we're going to go with. He really made a dif difference on the offensive side of the ball, the defensive side of the ball, um, and even special teams as well. And that guy is Tenor running back linebacker Grady Gusweiler. He ended up finishing the game with 18 carries, 116 rushing yards, three rushing touchdowns. He had three receptions for 13 receiving yards. He had that huge pick six on defense uh, for the Rams as well. And that one touchdown run we kind of discussed was absolutely yes. phenomenal. Yes. Great blocking by the offensive line. He made a couple guys miss, and he kind of dove out. And the way he scored yeah. that touchdown from – it had to be 30, 40 yards out. I think it was, was 35. Was was yeah. phenomenal. In the last five, he flew in the air exactly. somehow. I don't so, know. I still don't know how he got there. He had quite the performance. You know, Keith brought up his special teams efforts, you know, almost blocking punts. And that really changes the outlook of things on the special team side. But uh, our NW Sports Player of the Week is going to go to, again, Tenor running back linebacker Grady Gus. So congratulations to him. Uh, our NW Sports Player of the Week will receive NW Sports gear courtesy of BSN Sports. So we appreciate them for all that they do for area athletics. Uh, all right, let's move into the next part of the podcast. And we're looking at the power rankings here for week five. So again, I'll roll through the rankings here. And these guys will see uh, how the rankings are and uh, kind of roast me again. Do you like you mean do. our state playoff rankings? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Jeez. yeah, there's a lot of talk on these rankings out there. So it, and that's what it's all meant to be. It's meant to be good. No, yeah. it's not meant to be like the official rankings right. of the area. But, you know, this is what I kind of look at all the teams. You take into consideration quality wins, quality of losses, things like that, uh, you know, um, whole bunch of other things as well but uh just kind of to to rank all the teams in the area regardless of division so yeah i don't like people getting upset i mean i understand right. understand <laughs> that they're digging at each other a little bit i mean i do that myself but uh, geez this turn, the, turn into the the college football playoffs <laughs> it is yeah. discussion kind of funny all right anyways we'll go ahead and we'll start with number 25 so coming at 25 is swan 24 hilltop 23 hicksville 22 ottawa glandorf 21 fairview 20 edgerton thoughts on this group here it's it's kind of shaking itself out, like you said. I, I'm okay with that. Yep. Yep. Agree. I'm right there with you. All right. Coming in at 19, North Central. 18, Montpelier. 17, Delta. 16, Napoleon. 15, Wayne Trace. You're you're gonna get you're gonna get scolded, man. You North Central one, and they can drop it in the rankings. Dude. I know. And and we're gonna we're gonna get into that later in the hot takes. Believe me, I got I got some things that we're gonna bring up. But North North Central is really kind of scolding us for the the yeah. rankings. But you know, strength of schedule that that's huge Mont, in this. Montpelier too, so. also, um, you know, three and one, and sitting there at eighteen and dropped and dropped a couple spots. So you're you're gonna get it. You're gonna hear it, Logan. Yep. <laughs> we'll see. Like I said, it will shake all it out. I that's mean, there's, right. a, there's a lot to go, and uh, we'll see how things go. When, when week six comes around, when they play Eden, then uh, we'll see. We'll start seeing yeah. it. Right. All right. Looking at number 14, Paulding. Number 13, Evergreen. Number 12, Eden. Number 11, Tenora. And uh, we'll save the top 10 here. So thoughts on this group here? Yeah. Again, it's going to shake itself out right here. This, this week is going to take care of a couple of those. All right, breaking the top 10, coming in at number 10 is Ayersville, number nine, Columbus Grove, number eight, Wauseon, number seven, Bryan, number six, Archbold. 
Yeah, yep. I, I don't know. Yeah, looks looks good. Columbus drove with a huge win last week, so <clears throat> I think it's 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 too going to shake itself. Uh, obviously, when Wasion plays Brian, but Brian plays Patrick Henry this week, uh, and obviously Patrick Henry came in at number four, which I'm going to release here in just a second. But uh, again, a lot of these top ten teams keep playing each other, and they, they just kind of work things out as we go. So. Yeah, I mean, you're looking at the top ten. I mean, uh, Liberty Center, <laughs> Patrick Henry, Archbold, Brian Wasion—they're all going to play each other here coming up soon. Yep. Yep. So let's go ahead. Let's break the top five. Coming at number five is Antwerp. Four is Patrick Henry. Three is Defiance. Two is Van Wert. And number one is Liberty Center. Um, yeah, I mean, the Liberty Center's win over Archbold. And I think it's still, they still deserve to be in the number one spot. Yeah, Liberty Center's. Defiance's, Defiance's lost to Van Wert. I guess so you got to rank them below the Van yeah. Wert, right? Right, right. <laughs> so, so. Um, yeah, it's uh, but PH, I tell you what, I I, I, I agree with that. I mean, cause I think PH and Defiance, we put them head to head, Defiance probably pulls that victory out. I don't know, we'll see. But uh, yeah, Patrick Henry's are really making a case for themselves yeah. here of late. Their defense is playing really well, their offense is firing on all cylinders, as Keith said. You know, they, they have the option to run or pass the yep. ball, so really becoming a dynamic team there. So, I mean, I think Antwerp's got a chance to show themselves a little bit this week against Sonora. Sonora's got the same thing to right. show themselves against Antwerp. So, yep. you know, you could see some big time movement, in my opinion, in the top 10 coming up this week. Yeah, we haven't really seen a whole lot of tough competition for Antwerp yet, so it's hard to really say where they're going to fall. Uh, but this week will be kind of their first real test to see, mm -hmm. see where they match up. All right. Well, that concludes our week five power rankings. We're going to go ahead and take another quick break to hear from our sponsors. We'll be right back. Crystal Vasquez of Amerimade Realty is a top real estate agent in Northwest Ohio. Crystal's compassion and enthusiasm allow her to find that special property or house just for you. Located in Bryan, Ohio, give her a call today at 419-799-1243. Jimenez Basketball Academy strives to create an atmosphere to cultivate basketball fundamentals in Northwest Ohio youth athletes, offering one-on-one -on -one sessions, group sessions, speed and agility training, and much more. Located in Pettisville, Ohio, call Coach Jesse today at 419-551-8105. The Drop Zone Pizzeria is the number one voted pizza restaurant in the region. Check them out for pizza, wings, subs, and more. Located in Ayersville and Stryker, or ask them about their traveling food trailer. Optimal Performance Fitness is your go-to gym in Northwest Ohio, providing group fitness classes, personal training, and sports performance sessions for area athletes. Located in Napoleon, Ohio, give them a call today at 419-438-7265. We're back on the NW Sports Podcast, and we're back to our favorite segment of the entire podcast, and that is the Hot Takes presented by BSN Sports. Well, we kind of discussed some of these topics a little bit previously, so these are going to be good ones. You're not going to want to miss. So yeah. Let's let's get things rolling here. The first hot take that was sent in to us was Wasion needs to win two of the three big NWAL games to earn respect, um, and they really looked at Liberty Center, Archibald, Patrick Henry. Uh, I agree 100% because we've seen they, they went out against Bellevue and they really kind of laid up an egg. They really didn't put up any offense, anything at all. We know Defi or we know Wasion has some really good players, skilled players, especially in Tyson Rodriguez. Uh, Wyatt Smith had a really good game last week, and obviously Trey Parsons, our quarterback, continues to do really well each week. Um, but uh, I, I have to agree with this one. And even I would I would throw in. Uh, not only that, but even against Brian, um, Brian is another team I think is is a top team in the NWL as well. So, guys, what are your thoughts on this hot take here? Uh, you know, against those three, if they could win one of those, would be That's, would be a big yeah. thing. I mean, you got they're going to play Evergreen, PH, and then Delta, Archbold, Brian, Liberty Center. It, yeah, you definitely throw in Brian in there because they're playing well this year. But they've got to win. I would say two out of those. 
two out of two out of those four. And the, um, the crazy thing is, if if you win one of those games, even that's a loss against whatever. That's one, two. We throw Brian in the mix. Three. If you take one out of the four, you're already at six and four for the season, which we've seen Wasian. That's where they've kind of finished the last couple of years. But in order for Wasian to kind of get back to that dominance yeah. that they they had, you know five to ten year ish ago uh they really got to take i i agree they got to take at least two of those games i'm right there with you uh i, I think even if they would t- knock off one of these teams they would gain a little respect now what do you want for respect are you talking like you know respect them as a contender for the conference or are you talking about respect as you know not somebody to look past kind of thing like to me, they would earn a little bit of respect if they can knock off any of these teams because they're going to be that, that upset team. Uh, so it really kind of depends on what you're looking for there. I think also the wins that they get depend too because are we talking you know, Archbold and Bryan or are we talking the big dog in Liberty Center? Because right. if, you take, if you take out Liberty Center, which are, they're, I, what, they're going for their third or fourth NWL title, yep. and no one's really came close to them in the right. last few years. If they take down Liberty Center, I think that earns a lot of respect oh, yeah. from Wasion because we've seen what Liberty Center has done last year and the year before, and we see what they're doing this year. If Wasion takes out Liberty Center, that that's a game changer right there. So, Keith, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I think as, as a program, say the last 15 years, Wasion's definitely towards the upper tier. Like he, Coach Cooper, when he was at Wasion, like they had probably one of the better teams in, in the area year after year after year. Um, specifically this year, yeah, you, you always think of Wasian high-scoring offense, you know, spread, stop him. Uh, Coach Morris got them playing playing well 3-1 and one this year. But, yeah, if, if you knock off one of those three, I think, or, or you're competitive, honestly, in those three, even though you may not win one of them, if you, if you play them close, I think you'll earn some respect. I, I, yeah, at the end of the day, I, I think it's a must. Wasion has to take at least, and I'm, I'm going to throw Brian in there because Brian is having a good season. Yeah. Two of the four Wasion must win this year because, you know, we've kind of seen them just right in the middle of the pack right. year after year after year. And, and for them to kind of return to that dominance and being that upper tier of the NWL, they, they've got they to win two of them. Yeah, their last sure. three is Archibald, Brian, and Liberty Center. I mean, and Patrick Henry's leapfrogging like a couple in front of that. So it's, it's a very rough uh, last five. All right, let's move on to the next hot take here. Uh, someone sent in, Holgate could compete in the GMC now for football. Who wants to kick this one off? Go ahead, Keith. <laughs> yeah. Um, you're having a heck of a season the last couple of years. Xavier McCord is playing great. Um, exciting eight-man football by one of the better athletes in the area. To just go back to playing GMC football, I don't know. I mean, that required to field an 11-man team, something that- Holgate had problems with in the past, which is why you're playing eight-man is you couldn't field in a, a team that could actually compete in the GMC. So um, we would uh, we'd like to see it. Obviously, they're not going to be in the GMC anymore because they. Well, that's one of the reasons why they're not in the GMC. Cause right, it's a numbers issue. They couldn't compete in football. So Right. But how many kids does Solgate have on their team this uh, I year? I think 20. Yeah, so 20. So you're right. You you basically can't play you know 11-man football with 20 kids. It, not in compete. At, at the high school level, you can do that in junior high level, but you can't do that in high school level. It's just not going to work. But, you know, and it never was that whether Holgate had athletes. Holgate always had a few athletes, but they just don't have enough kids to, to you know, to play that. That's, yeah. a, that's the thing with the sport of football. It's it's not a one or two man game. And, and Holgate has some phenomenal athletes, oh, right. but you have to have all 11 guys 
being studs and playing yeah. pretty well uh, to go out there and compete. And you just have to have the, the numbers and the consistency to go out and do that. Um, Keith, were you going to say something? Yeah, and, and Coach Wagner's done a great job oh, over there tremendous. in the last couple of years of getting the kids to come out and play because they actually canceled their season, I think, two years ago because they didn't so. have enough kids. Oh, and they won the Northern and, Conference and, title and, last and, and year. And the following year, right, they did. So so this is not a knock on Holgate whatsoever. Coach Coach Colton Wagner's done a great job. Um, it's the, the question, we're just responding to this particular question. So when we, we talk about Xavier McCord, and last year we talked about Holgate eight-man football quite a bit, you know, just to promote it. I, and so, I, right. I think you look at two different things. Okay, so does if Holgate goes back, you know, they're really dominating. Obviously, eight-man football we've seen this year and last year, too. They're doing really well. So do you go from winning a bunch of games and having all the success to going in the GMC and starting to lose every, you know what I mean? Like that's, right. that was kind of the issue. They were running into numbers. Um, you know, they had some losing seasons and stuff like that. So as a program, do, do you want success or, or do you want to be challenged and do you want to deal with those losses? You know, I, I don't know. I yeah. think that's kind of the, the, the turning point or where we have to decide. Yeah, I think that like the hindrances, like if, if you're a, an eight man coach, it's, there's just not enough currently in the future. Like, three or four years you may have more teams in this area to play because now you're you're making long drives in the bus yeah. and, what, eight, and whatnot eight man's growing to play. Too. it is absolutely so but yeah hats off to coach wagner doing a great job over there and a player like xavier mccord the elementary kids seeing him from their eyes is like you know like our heroes growing up like yeah baseball and football right. so they're going to get more kids hopefully come out to to uh play football yeah and the thing about eight man you know like i said i just coached it last week so it's a little different but an eight man you basically line up you know eight athletes and you play against eight athletes and you can pretty much put anybody in there you know as your lineman because basically the way we did it is we had a center and two guards and then everybody else you know took the tight end the two tackles out and you're done and and basically so you're playing athletes on athletes right. and you know you can field even schools like holgate can field you know some pretty good athletes yeah. for you know six six kids Right. So they have six good athletes, but when you start going, going into 11 man, well, now you got six good athletes, but now you need a five man front to go in front of them. Exactly. And that's where you start right. having the issue. So those yeah. six athletes don't get much, you know, much gain, gaining much yards because you're getting pounded the whole time. That's a great point. <laughs> so, Absolutely. Yeah. But I mean, I mean, going back to this question, Holgate could compete in the GMC now. Key point is now. I don't think so. Just because, you know, it's it's a numbers issue. That's the whole reason they went to Northern 8. Uh, but overall, you know, it's an interesting question. Holgate's doing really good things. And honestly, the way they're going, they're, they should repeat as conference title winners again um and i think like keith said you know it does a lot better for them to go out and you know they're winning they're they're breeding a winning culture yep. there um you know they're not losing games yep. and like you said keith i mean those little kids see that they grow up well i want to play football yep. for whole game because they're they're winning and yep. it looks like fun so um definitely doing good things there and i only expect holgate's program to grow each yep. year so all right well, that was a really good one so let's move on to the next one we got a couple more here <laughs> this next one uh, we'll see uh, see how some people respond to this. So this one that sent in was North Central plays a cupcake schedule. So um, let me roll through some things here. So let's look. So they played Wood, Woodmore, a one and three team. They've won 30 to six Parkway, two and two, a max school. They lost 27 to 48. Fremont, Indiana was one and three. They won 30 to three. Hilltop, 0 and four. They won 51 to zero. Uh, looking at the remaining schedule, uh, they got Car <coughs> Cardinal Stritch, Van Lu. Uh, Schroeder, which they're from Cincinnati, Ohio, Cincinnati College Prep, Van Lu again, reading Michigan, and all the teams on the schedule combined at this point in time have a 10 and 27 record 
um, to date. Um, and Van Lu, kind of a point on them, they played games last year with 10 guys because they ran out of, of players so uh, due to injury. So who wants to kick this one off? Yes, they do. <laughs> it's simple as simple as that. Yes, they play a cupcake schedule. If they, if if uh, North Central is going to want some respect, they're going to have to find some teams around here to play them first off. Um, which I don't, I don't know. I mean, I don't know how the. I mean, you got to get them on a schedule for a couple of years. I mean, you got to you got to start reaching out to schools. It's, and, it's hard too because they don't yeah. have a conference. They're basically right. like yep. they're basically yep. the Notre Dame right. of, of Northwest Ohio. Yeah. So they really have to travel to Indiana, to Michigan, to Cincinnati, even. So you know, picking up Parkway is, is a good. I mean, I mean, Sonora played those guys for a few years, and uh, that's that's a good pickup. Again, heck of a drive right. I mean, all the way from North Central from Pioneer. Yeah. So. Um, but for me, yeah, you got in order to get respect, which is what they're yes. what they're always yelling about. To get respect, you got to play people like like we mentioned with Coach Becker. You know, if you want to be the best, you got to play the best. Exactly. You yep. know, you got to you got and, and you're going to take your licks. You're going to get beat up when you play those those teams and and um, you know you just got you got hopefully you come out healthy, which Sonora did not against W Center, and that's that's what he was talking about. But. Um, I'll try not to take a bullet time talking about it, but no, I 100% I, I agree. They play a cupcake schedule. And at the end of the day, like I referred to earlier with Coach Becker, I think Drew Pastor released, like I said, if they go 9-1, and one, I don't think they can even get home field advantage. Uh, but at the end of the day, you can play all these teams in the regular season, um, but you're not playing for a conference title. And so the main thing is playoffs. So you got to play these tough teams to prep you because once you get to the playoffs, if there's 16 teams in the area and the region – that are going to go out there and they're going to be quality ball clubs and you're going to have to go out there and compete and you know north central they've got good players i think they're very well coached but at the same time they got to play some teams you look at their schedule and i think there's maybe two teams that could finish with a winning season that cincinnati college prep which i've never i, I don't know much about them obviously but they're three and one uh, they're a prep school obviously so they must be pretty good so they probably recruit people um, and parkway is a mac school and usually parkway is kind of the bottom of the mac and they get beat up every year so um, I, I agree 110% that if North Central really wants some respect as a program, they've t they've taken their baby steps. So now they had their they had their first varsity season last year, which right. they had a winning season, excellent playoff berth in their first season, amazing. Yep. So now as a program, you got to take that next step, play some quality opponents, you know, be battle tested, go to the playoffs and get that playoff win, and kind of go from there. So, unfortunately for North Central, I think they're kind of a team really without a conference honestly you know like the bbc it's not really a football conference um it's similar to eight man which i think actually they then they just started up a few years ago they kind of uh bounced around J playing starting off they, they eight, did jv yes yes starting off eight man or going back to 11 man and uh yeah it's just making those long bus trips just because you're not really in a conference it's it's more of a, like you guys said perfect points it's more of a hindrance really than anything right the the most sense for me is north central they try to get into the tack the toledo area athletic conference with teams like eden montpelier mm -hmm. uh hilltop i believe hilltops I in think, that yep, as well yep. um ottawa hills and there's some other teams but i think that would make the most sense get into a conference play a conference schedule go out compete for a conference title play some local teams right uh, you know and that will kind of help with things too because it's it's hard i'm sure for a lot of those fans to make a three four hour trip to some of these games on a friday night and uh you know 
basically you go down to Cincinnati from North Central, that's Pioneer. So <laughs> that's four hours. That's like four hours there for sure. And four, four hours. hours back too. Correct. So, so you're spending eight hours on the road as a fan to go watch them play. So, uh, you know, I think it'd do them really good justice if they could get into that TAC conference. Um, I mean, that makes the most sense to me. And then they, you know, you can get a better following, things like that, play some tougher teams in this area and uh, really take that next step in your football program. Yep. All right, let's go ahead. Let's move on to the next one. Uh, and I believe this is the last one we had for hot takes. And that is Antwerp has the best receiving core in the area when healthy. I, I'll, I'll start this one off. I think I'm going to have to debate that because this kind of goes back to that Nash Meyer, Landon Johnson, right. Carson Altimus, right. and uh, <laughs> Landon Brewer conversation. So, again, it's, it's Antwerp and Patrick Henry, two similar, very talented teams um, that have really good offenses. But, you know, you look at Antwerp. Let's break it down. Landon Brewer has, this is to date, 18 receptions, 357 receiving yards, six receiving touchdowns. Cam Fuller, 17 receptions, 348 receiving yards, six receiving touchdowns. Caden Winslow, 12 receptions, 190 receiving yards, three receiving touchdowns. Um, and Tavenshaw is also another good wide receiver, and he's getting healthy again. Patrick Henry on the flip side. Uh, Landon Johnson, 19 receptions, 392 receiving yards, three receiving touchdowns. He also has 12 carries for 55 rushing yards and a rushing touchdown. You have Lincoln Krieger, 19 receptions, 262 receiving yards, one receiving touchdown. Thomas Smith, 12 receptions, 207 receiving yards, two receiving touchdowns. And they also have guys like Brock Berriman and Trent Johnson. So you look at that, those stat lines, they're pretty similar. You know, they all have their number one in Brewer and Johnson, but then they have a really good number two this year and Cam Fuller and Lincoln Krieger, which are honestly competing for, they'd be a number one on any other team, honestly. Um, and then you have some really other good wide receivers. But um, I just think it's interesting just kind of a food for thought that both teams have very strong number twos. Um, and, you know, they're really complimenting the stars of Landon Johnson, Landon Brewer. Well, we talk about when teams have that one star wide receiver, obviously teams take it away. They're not just going to let a guy go out and have 300 receiving yards and five receiving touchdowns. Uh, but these guys like, uh, you know, Lincoln Krieger and uh, Cam Fuller are really stepping up and they're putting up big numbers this year. But that's a tough one. Uh, I'll, I'll save my decision for the end. So what are you guys' thoughts on this hot take here? Well, one thing with Patrick Henry is they're trying to get more of a, like a balanced attack this year, which is something that Antwerp really hasn't been doing a lot of. They're, they're definitely a passing offense, uh, and the stats show it. Uh, now, Patrick Henry is too, but they've been, you know, Coach I has been trying to implement a little bit more of the run, the you know, the tight end style offense. So they don't necessarily rely 100% on their passing game. Uh, they do. And Antwerp can run it, though, too, with yeah. Reed yeah. Leach, D. Yeah, so, right. I mean, but in the in the key moments when Antwerp needs that touchdown or needs that first down, they're going to go to that pass. You know, unless they're you know their opponent's really showing, you know they're they're you know back off the the line. Um, but Patrick Henry has has been we've been seeing them run the ball in those those situations a little bit this year. Tony, what are you thinking over there? You're awfully quiet. Uh, well, <laughs> I mean. I just kind of went back and looked at the schedules, right? So we, we talked about, we just kind of cracked North Central playing the cupcake schedule. Um, you know, when you look at Antwerp, you know, they start off the season, they played Montpelier, they played Eden, played Hilltop, played Hicksville. I mean, all good ball clubs, but, um, you know, Hilltop, obviously, I think they won one game last year, right? Hicksville's obviously struggling this year. Montpelier's actually coming around. Eden, obviously, is playing pretty well. But, um, you know, it's, uh, you know, so then you look at PH, you know, who they've played. You know, just kind of comparing stats to stats, right. right? They've played Hicksville, Wayne Trace, Columbus Grove, and Evergreen. So you kind of really are comparing kind of apples to apples in my eyes anyways. Um, 
And, you know, if you go by stats, okay, I give it to Antwerp. They have the best receiving crew if you're going stats, you know. But I would take – I would take that either quarterback and I would take all four of those receivers <laughs> on either yeah. team. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, I'm just, it's kind of the same thing that we discussed it a couple is. weeks ago yeah. with the quarterbacks. It's very similar. Um, Patrick Henry Antwerp, and we had the uh, Brewer or uh, Brewer Ultimus uh, Nashmeyer talk. Um, yeah, it's rough. You can't, you can't go wrong with either one of these receiving crews. Um, two weeks ago, I went with Nash Myers, slightly above Ultimus, just because of I thought Patrick Henry plays a better schedule overall, and no, I agree. And, and it's more competitive. Um, probably the same way for me here. I'll go fifty-one PH forty-nine Antwerp, um, just because of the, the the schedule that they they play all ten games. I'm speaking of like these numbers here. You look at Antwerp. Most of these kids probably didn't play in the second half. Right. Same way with Patrick Henry. But they probably played longer. I'm assuming Coach I probably played the kids a little bit longer because all their games really weren't over at the half. But Antwerp, you would assume the kids probably played a series in the in the third quarter, then they were they were pretty much done. So but I give the edge forty nine or fifty one to forty nine pH. I, I just think it's funny, too, because these teams are so much alike. Yeah. You know, yep. you look at their offenses, uh, all the athletes that they have all over the place, two very similar teams and their structure and the way that they do things, and both two very successful teams as well. Uh, but at the end of the day, I think, again, it goes back to that. PH has been battle-tested a little bit. They played a really good Columbus Grove team, and, mm -hmm. and they laid the hammer down on them. Um, we're going to see really what Antwerp's made of and how good that passing attack is this week against Tenora because really Antwerp has yet to be ch challenged. And, yep. and Tenora's got a pretty quality defense. Yep. So I think that will kind of, you know, really show where we're at, where Antwerp is at with things. Yep. We, we know the guys over at PH can go out and they mm -hmm. can compete. So uh, that's the big thing is how good is that Antwerp passing attack against a quality defense. Yep. All right. We're going to go ahead. Um, that was our hot take, so we'll wrap that up there. Again, uh, continue to send those in. I'll post things out on social media, but uh, that's all fan-driven. Uh, we enjoy that each week, and there's a lot of good conversation had. So uh, a lot of <laughs> good, the bad, the ugly when it comes to this. But uh, I don't know if you want to hear it or not, it's going to come from all of us. So Always a good time. Yeah, for sure. So we thank BSN Sports for sponsoring that segment. Let's go ahead. Let's move into the next one. Matthew's breakout players for week five. Look at that offensive side of the ball. He's going with Columbus Grove running back Trenton Barraza. Reasoning is Delphus Jefferson really struggled on defense so far this year with stopping the pass and run, so I expect Barraza to have a big week for Grove. On defense, he's going with Reese Crew from Van Wert. Reasoning is Wapakoneta has struggled to score against quality teams so far this year, so I expect Crew to be an issue for the Wapak offense. And like I keep saying, as weeks go on, Matthew's got a crystal ball because he picked uh, Grady Gusweiler as one last week. Yeah. And he had that huge pick six, and he played really well on defense. And uh, he was actually the NWO Sports Player of the Week this week. So, again, if Matthew's calling your name out, uh, <laughs> I would be watching all eyes on whoever those players are because they're going to have big games for we, sure. We He's, mentioned that right away last week. As soon as he picked, had that pick six, you're like, hey, Matthew said. That's right. <laughs> He's pretty much nailed every one of these yeah, through the first yeah, four weeks. Exactly. So uh, be sure to watch your eyes out for those players there so we're going to take yep. a break to hear from our sponsors we'll be right back with game five game predictions and closing thoughts northwest ohio basketball hosts premier basketball tournaments for boys in grades three to eight in the area upcoming tournaments are right around the corner give them a call today at 419-283-5296 or check out their website at nwobball.com 
The Thunderdome is your local indoor softball and baseball facility offering private lessons, turf, infield, batting cages, and pitching machine rentals, even offering a golf simulator. Located in Archbold, Ohio, give them a call today at 419-906-3643. Nicely Rentals and Storage is your go-to venue for graduation parties, birthdays, weddings, and more. Also offering vehicle storage, table and chair rentals, and U-Haul equipment. Located in Ayersville, Ohio, give them a call today at 419-439-6177. Back on the NWO Sports Podcast, we are going into Week Five game predictions next. So we got a slate of a lot of good games here. Um, we'll kind of roll through and we'll see uh, what people's thoughts are. So let's go ahead. Let's kick it off. Archbold three and one at Delta two and two. Uh, again, Archbold they're coming off a tough loss to Liberty Center. Uh, Delta Delta could make things interesting. You know, they went out and they competed with Brian um, up until halftime. We're actually tied 14-14. But uh, I think Archibald gets back on track. I think Coach Dominic gets the boys in the blue streaks right. I think Archibald comes out, and they come out with without mercy, um, and they take it to Arc Delta. So I'm going the blue streaks. You hit all the bulletin points, Logan. Taking the streaks. Uh, blue streaks. Blue streaks for me. Uh, looking at Bryce. Bryce had Archibald, and Matthew had Archibald. So Archibald from all of us. Next game, Brian 3-1 and one at Patrick Henry 4-0. and oh. Uh, this game will be interesting. You know, it was kind of one of the games that we talked about for possibly NWA Sports Game of the Week. Um, but at the end of the day, Patrick Henry is rolling, and I mean absolutely rolling right now. Offense, defense. Um, I actually, um, I believe, oh, Coach Andy Schaefer from uh, Columbus Grove, we were watching on Black Swamp's podcast. He came in and he had to say about, um, you know, if Patrick Henry could get their special teams on track, uh, they'll be unstoppable. You know, the number two AP poll. team in division seven so i think patrick henry comes out and they take care of business um especially we know brian's defense has been struggling this year so i'm going the patriots yeah this is actually a good game i mean it wouldn't be surprised if we gave her a halftime score was like 40 to 34 um but uh taking the pats uh yeah ph here it could be a potentially very high scoring game on both sides this was an interesting one, guys. I was literally, I was ready to type Brian in there, and the only reason I typed PH in there is because they're playing at home. I just think Brian's, this could be, if Brian wins, this wouldn't surprise me. I just think Brian's been playing well enough on offense. Just don't know if they can stop the defense, hold up defensively enough. Bryce and Matthew both had Patrick Henry. So Patrick Henry for all of us. Look at the next game. Wasion 3-1 and one at Evergreen 2-2. Two and two. Uh, Again, this is one. Wasion's starting to find their groove. Uh, they got to come out and they got to win this one big to again we talked about the hot take if they want respected they got to come out and take care of business every single week um, especially against uh, like an evergreen team that is much improved um, but i think at the end of the day wasion's gonna be a little too much so i'm going wasion i agree with you logan um taking wasion it's one of those games you can't overlook don't look ahead to the next week when you play patrick henry concentrate on evergreen taking the indians uh, yeah, I'm going with the Indians as well. I picked the Vikings, guys. I think Evergreen's going to sneak one out here. They're going to challenge Wasion. I looked at the Wasion schedule. They haven't. I mean, to me, they haven't been tested yet. Uh, I think Evergreen's going to put it to them. Bryce and Matthew both had Wasion, so Tony was the only one that had Evergreen. And I mean, Tony's leading the way, so yeah. Tony might know something we don't know. <laughs> yes, <laughs> Tony just, just picks teams. That's what he does. <laughs> Looking at the next game, Liberty Center four and zero at Swanton zero and four. Uh, we saw what Liberty Center did against Archibald last week. I think they take care of business again this week, so I'm going Liberty Center. Yep, Tigers. 
Yeah, I think the only question to be asked here is how many drives in the second half are the starters actually going to play? I think Liberty Center is going to come out and just absolutely dominate this game. So, Liberty Center. Yep. Tigers. Bryce and Matthew both had Liberty Center as well. Next game, Tenor 2-2 two and two at Antwerp 4-0. Um, this game should be probably one of the – probably – I don't know if I want to say – probably it probably is, honestly. The determining game in the Green Meadows Conference – um, you know, Antwerp, this is their first big test of the year. Uh, we talked about earlier, their passing offense, they really haven't been tested, um, period, against a really quality defense. So this is their first step, and uh, we're going to be there Friday night. So at the end of the day, uh, I'm going to have to go to Nora. And quick little fact, um, when we were off camera, when we interviewed Coach Becker, I made a bet with him and uh, said if he were – if Tenora beats Antwerp uh, – I get to shave my head and my beard off. So, <laughs> so pretty big bat. <laughs> I don't know. We may do it at the actual game. We'll get video of it. But I said, yep, Tenor, if Tenor's got to be Antwerp, um, and I'll do that, and he'll let me interview him. So, um, so I, that was the deal. I had to pick. I had to pick Tenora, and I had to shave my head and my beard if Tenora wins. And I get to interview Coach Becker after the game. So, um, tell you and, what, and I'm a man of my word. I will. I'll do it. But uh, that's, a, that's a pretty. That's a pretty big task just to interview Coach Becker. I mean, is it really going to be worth? I know. And I, I'm debating if I should tell my wife yet or not. So she, just let her see it when you show I, up Friday night. Maybe best. That's what I said. Well, so. I don't know. You might want to let her know. She hasn't seen you without a beard, without hair. You walk in. You might. You might be looking. <laughs> down the end of a gun barrel or something like who is this guy Uh, i don't know but i'm going sonora i I do think antwerp has a really good shot obviously of winning this game but uh you know there's other reasons so um i'm going sonora keith the pressure's on you man yeah i know um (laughs) taking the i'm taking the archers it's at antwerp a big crowd over there um, Antwerp has better offensive players than Sonora. Defensively, if the Rams play like they did last week against uh, Fairview, obviously the offenses are two different. Uh, Antwerp's high-powered. Fairview's will be high-powered. Um, similar schemes. But if the, if the Rams' defense and special teams comes through, they, they can pull off this upset. But right now, I got her stamped ar- archers. <laughs> I'm going to go with uh, Tenora here. I you guys have kind of hit all the bullet points, so I'm sticking with Tenora. Are you shaving your head too? <laughs> no, my, my wife would kill me. <laughs> no, guys, I, honestly, I'm I'm picking Tenora because I think Tenora can win this ball game. I think Tenora's got all their players back; they're healthy. They were literally a pass away from pulling off the victory last year, in my opinion, and or maybe two passes away. I think Tenora, if they can get after Ultimus, make him move around. I mean, I know Antwerp's got a lot of athletes, but they had a lot of athletes last yeah. year. Same, same um, offense. Basically. Yeah, same offense. Nobody's changed. It's just a matter of, you know, they've all grown up one more year. So, um, you know, and Tenora's defense did too. You know, you got Gus Weiler, Radzik, and Ross Dye back there, Gus White or yep. Geisinger. All those guys are still back there. So, um, I, boy, I think I'm picking Tenora because I, I truly think Tenora can pull off this upset. And Bryce had Tenora and Antwerp, or Matthew had Antwerp. So uh, we're pretty pretty split across the board there. And, you know, this game has been close the last yeah. couple, few years, even yeah. back when Bryce was playing and they played at Antwerp. Um, it, I mean, it's came down to the fourth quarter. Yeah, so this, like 14, this is going to be a really good ball game. Uh, it was like a 14 yeah, six ball game I, or something, right? Yeah, I think, I think Anders, so. Anders scored a late touchdown, yeah, actually, yeah. too. So to kind of put it away. Going to be a good one. Looking at the next game, Edgerton one and three at Ayersville three and one. You know, Ayersville had a r- little bit of a scare last week against Paulding, yeah. um, but they really persevered and held on. 
Edgerton struggling this year, and this game being at Ayersville, I think Ayersville gets back on track and they handle their business. So I'm going the Pilots. Yeah, I agree with you. I'm taking the Pilots. Uh, I'm going with the Pilots as well. Yep, Ayersville. Bryce and Matthew both had Ayersville as well. So Ayersville from all of us. Next game, Fairview 0 and 4 at Paulding 2 and 2. And you know, honestly, b- before seeing what the scores were and how the games played out last week. I would have said I would have gone 100% with Fairview. I really like the way that Coach Rakes is doing things over there. Uh, William Zedike is playing phenomenal. Uh, Mead is also a really good wide receiver. Um, but, you know, they're kind of shut down by the Tenor defense. Mm-hmm. And uh, we know Paulding, Paulding's got a good defense there, too, with Jack Woods, linebacker. And um, I, I'm, like I said, I, I know I said that when I thought uh, Paulding was winning, but they ended up losing that game against Ayersville. But I, I truly am. I think I'm back on that Paulding bandwagon because, uh, you know, they almost took that one away from Ayersville. And uh, I think they're starting to find a groove. So I'm going the Panthers. Yeah, taking the Panthers. Paulding. I'm taking Fairview. I'm going with the Apaches. Bryce had Paulding and Matthew had Paulding. So Tony is the only one that went Fairview. Next game, Hicksville one and three at Wayne Trace two and two. Uh, we saw a really good performance out of Wayne Trace last week against Edgerton. I think they pick up again. Coach Holden's got the boys uh, in the Raiders playing really good ball right now. Hicksville's been kind of down this year. So this game being at Wayne Trace, which we all know is a tough place to win at if you're in the Green Meadows Conference. So I'm going the Raiders. Uh, Raiders. Uh, Wayne Trace. Wayne Trace for me. Wayne Trace from Bryce and Matthew as well. Next game, Eden 3-1 at Whiteford, Michigan 3-0. And and for those you don't know, I believe Whiteford's uh, team, they won their respective um, state championship in football in their division in Michigan. And they're coming off a win against Ottawa Hills as well. I think this is just going to be tough for Eden to get over. So I'm I'm going Whiteford. Yeah, I I saw all that too, Logan. I'm like, yeah. But Bombers scoring a lot of points. I'm, I'm picking the upset in this one. Yeah, I think I'm going to go with the Bombers here as well. I went with Whiteford just because they're playing at home. (laughs) Bryce had Eden and Matthew had Whiteford, so we're pretty split on that game. Next game. Maybe that's what I need to start doing is just picking the home team. The home team. (laughs) Well, it's kind of like like we always joke about women. Oh, I picked it because I like their uniforms. It's like, yeah, they're home. I'll pick them. (laughs) Let's look at the next game. Summerfield, Michigan, 3-0 at Hilltop, 0-4. now we don't really don't know much about Summerfield, Michigan, but I know they're three and zero. So uh, I'm going Summerfield on this one. Summerfield. Yeah, I'm going to take Summerfield. Yeah, Hilltop struggling to find a find a victory. So yeah, Summerfield for me. And Bryce and Matthew both had Summerfield. Next game, Mount Pillar three and one at Sand Creek, Michigan one and two. Again, another out of state team, um, but I think I really like what Mount is doing right now. They're Defense is playing really well. Their offense is playing really well. You know, Eli Fackler, defensive lineman from Mount Billiard, setting records yes. on the defensive yep. line. So um, that's going to cause a quarterback uh, a lot of trouble for that for uh, him on the defensive side for the locomotives. So I'm going Mount Billiard. Yeah, Coach Robbins can be four and one. Could be four and one after this week. Uh, taking uh, taking Mount Pillier. Uh Going with the locos. Locos for me. Bryce and Matthew both had Montpelier as well, so Montpelier from all of us. Next game, North Central 3-1 and one at Cardinal Stritch 1-3. and three. Uh, I'm going to go North Central on this one, but again, this is a game they have to come out and they have to show that they mean business. We kind of talked about their, their easier schedule earlier. Uh, if they really want to make some noise, they got to win this game here, so I'm going North Central. Taking the Eagles, North Central. Yeah, they got to come, come away with this win here to kind of gain some of that respect that we're talking about, so North Central. North Central for me. Bryce and Matthew both had North Central, so North Central from all of us. Next game, Shawnee 0-4 at Defiance 3-1. And, 
and you look at this, you know, this has got to be almost a moment for defiance to kind of take a breath. I mean, yeah. I mean, I know you shouldn't take any opponent lightly, but, you know, you look at the first four games of the year playing Wapakoneta and Van Wert and, uh, you know, Napoleon, which is always a tough rivalry game. Now they get to take a step back after they faced all these tough teams. So I think Defiance wins this. They win it big. Kind of a joking matter, but does Defiance play every game at home like Michigan? I <laughs> don't kidding. I, I, I think I saw. Oh, let me have I'm to just look. kidding. Let's look at the schedule. I, I, think they, I think they may have six home games this year. But I'm taking the Bulldogs. This is a good uh, good game for Coach Cooper just to concentrate on fundamentals, get the dogs' confidence back, and get the get defiance back on track. They're, they're just looking at the schedule, they're yeah, their home games are uh, they're loaded at the beginning of are the they? season. So yeah. yeah, four out of the first five are at home, and then Ooh. they four out of the four out of the last five are away. <laughs> That's rough. Kenton, Elida, Salina, and OG are all away. Uh, I'm going to go with uh, the Bulldogs here. I think it's kind of like similar to Archbold. They're going to be coming out firing, and they're going to have no mercy this week. I think the Bulldogs are going to be just fine. Bryce and Matthew had defiance as well. Next game, St. Mary's 0-4, which that's kind of shocking. I think you, yeah. you brought that up too. St. Yep. Mary's is usually a powerhouse yep. in the WBL. At Ottawa, Glandorf 0-4. I know St. Mary's is down, but they've still gone out and competed against teams, so I'm, I'm going St. Mary's in this one. Yeah, I left this one blank for a long time, actually. I finally settled on St. Mary's. Uh, yeah, I kind of just picked St. Mary's. <laughs> Don't really know what to uh, say about that one. I picked OG. Why did I pick OG, guys? Because they're different. Game. Because they're at home. <laughs> oh, they're home. <laughs> I, I, yeah, that's true. They're, they're home, and you always got to pick against that's everyone else. 0-4 versus 0-4. Uh, I'll give the home team the advantage in that one. So, All right. Bryce and Matthew had St. Mary's. So, again, Tony is the, the only one going against the group. <laughs> I'm either, either going to come out of your smelling like a rose or in the dog pile, one or the other. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to wait and see. Next game, Wabakaneta 2-2 two and two at Van Wert 3-1. and one. This is going to be our NW Sports Game of the Week. It's a big game in the area, uh, especially for the WBL. So we're really going to see um, how things shake out. And for Defiance's sake, they need Wabakaneta to beat Van Wert yeah. um, for a chance at the WBL title. So uh, I really like the way Brylan Parker, Crew, um, all those guys are playing for Van Wert. They're playing lights out right now. Uh, they're coming off a big win against a really, really good defiance team. So I'm going Van Wert. Yeah, this is like the equivalent to our Tenora Antwerp game down south. Really, um, yeah, it's rough, rough game here. Uh, taking Van Wert. Yeah, I'm gonna go with Van Wert. Van Wert for me. Bryce and Matthew both had Van Wert as well. A couple more 11 man games here. Napoleon 0 and 4 at Springfield 2 and 2. And actually, I don't know why my pick was in this. I am going the Wildcats, and I think. I really liked what I saw out of them last week against Anthony Wayne. I, they didn't even have business being in that game. No. <laughs> um, but if, if Napoleon's going to have somewhat of a season, it, they have to. It is a must win this week at Springfield. Yep. They have to take this because um, they're kind of getting in their, their schedule here with some teams. Um, now that they're done with that crossover game um, in the NLL with Anthony Wayne, they have to start winning these games, and it starts now. Um, so I'm going to Napoleon, and I think they, they take this one away with a win. I picked Springfield, but Logan brought valid points. Napoleon's played toe-to-toe with two of the better teams in the area, Defiance and Anthony Wayne, yeah. for through three quarters. Uh, but taking, taking Springfield. I, I'm right there with you on that one, Keith. I, it's good points by Logan, but I think I'm, I'm going to go with Springfield here. I'm right there with you, Logan. I think this is they've been playing tough. It's, it's Napoleon's week. They're going to they're gonna s- sneak one out of here. And Bryce had Springfield and Matthew had Napoleon, so we were split pretty evenly on that game. 
Last 11-man game on the slate, Columbus Grove 2-2 two two at Delphus Jefferson 0-4. Uh, again, Columbus Grove coming off a tough loss to Patrick Henry, but we, obviously we know Patrick Henry is one of the better teams in the area. I think Coach Schaefer gets the boys yep. right, and uh, they come out and they take care of business. It gets a no and four Delphus Jefferson. So I'm going Grove. Yep, Columbus Grove. Columbus Grove. Columbus Grove for me. Bryce and Matthew both had Columbus Grove as well. A couple of eight-man games on the slate. Striker one and two at Toledo Christian one and two. I think I'm going to go Toledo Christian on this game. You know, I, I think Striker's been struggling the yeah. last couple of games and really haven't been able to get things – I don't know. Not like what we're used to seeing. We saw last year Stryker had a phenomenal season. Yep. Um, they did really well, but uh, it's just it's, there's a different vibe to it this year. So um, I'm going Toledo Christian on this one. I, I stayed home. I took Stryker. Yeah, I think maybe Stryker can get things on track with this game. So I'm going to go with Stryker. I'm going to go with Stryker. Bryce had Stryker and Matthew had Toledo Christian. Last game here, Tri-State Crusaders uh, from Indiana 3-0 at Holgate three and oh and honestly this could have probably been one of the uh, nw sports yeah. game of the week right. because both teams are very talented this was always a big battle last year as well so i think you know this game's at home at holgate um i like the way xavier mccord's playing uh coach wagner's doing an excellent job over there so i'm going the holgate tigers tigers uh you're going with holgate i think tri-state's gonna sneak one out all right bryce had holgate and matthew had holgate as well so again tony likes to go against the grain <laughs> all right well that concludes our week five game predictions uh last thing we have is closing thoughts guys what are your thoughts going into the halfway point of the regular season i think for some of the the fair weather fans out there this is it's come down pretty close to uh some of the last nice games we're going to have the temperature starting to drop out there. Fall's hitting a little early this year, it seems like. So so if you're going to get to a game, definitely get out there now and start enjoying some high school football. Yeah, for me, uh, looking forward to Snore and Antwerp. Uh, should be a fantastic game this week. And also, as we as we talked about our last game, Holgate and uh, Tri-State. Eight-man is getting some love this week. So if you can't make it, you can check that game out on uh, your local internet radio from Black Swamp. I guess closing thoughts for me. Um, again, as we always say, get out there and support the kids. Uh, a lot of good games this week, but uh, I'm really liking the cooler weather, the fall weather. Uh, got a lot of cool gear coming from some sponsors of ours and, and Three Court and, and BSN Sports. So um, get you guys some gear, and we'll cover some really good football games this coming fall slash winter. So awesome. yeah, tell you uh, what, guys, it's just a it's just exciting time of year to me. I just love I love football. Football is my my favorite sport. I mean, I shouldn't say that because I'm a softball coach, but um, it really is. I just I, you know again, it's just because it's so it goes by so quick. So it just it just I don't know. It's more intense, I guess. Um, but like you guys said, get out there and watch some games, man. Because there's yeah. a lot of good games going on in the area, especially as teams start getting into conference play. There was a big game last week, Archibald and Liberty Center. A big game this week, Snore and, and Antwerp. I mean, there's going to be big games each week. So, yeah, Brian, Patrick, Henry. Yeah. I mean, that's. I mean, get out there and watch a game. Yeah, Antwerp, you know? Wapakoneta. Yep. Yeah. And, and, you know, don't be afraid to visit the concession stands. I mean, cause I'll tell you what, we talked about this, I think, last week. We talked oh, about, yeah. you know, I going, talk to about El the concession stands. going to Elmwood, man. Just that ribeye sandwich was so freaking good, man. I tell you what, some of these places have these, like, Logan's been mentioned, the, the uh, fish and chips at Antwerp. So we're, yeah, my, I'm going to have to try it. I'm yeah. going to have to try it. Um, get there early.
way enough. We're not soon they can such stand open. Magic when I give me some fish that Logan's just been bragging about. So I'll, I'll never forget the time. It was we were over at Antwerp a couple seasons ago, and my dad was helping us in the press box uh, broadcast the yeah. game. And when we had camera troubles, and I blamed him for everything, yeah. it really wasn't his fault. So I, I was never so mad. I thought my dad messed something up, but it wasn't. Yeah. It was the cord. Yeah. Anyways, he, he comes back with this this uh, little basket of fish and chips, and I'm like. Where in the world did you get yeah. that from? I said, who serves that at a concession stand? He goes, oh, I went over to the concession stand. It's pretty good. You want to try some? I tried some. I said, wow, that's really good. So we'll try that. Like you said, Elmwood, all those, what oh, were they? Ribeye sandwiches. Ribeye sandwiches. Oh my gosh. They even had chicken fingers and stuff yeah. there. So yeah, concession stands, some of these places are going all out. They are. You know, and honestly, we, we talked about this the other night in the booth. It's it's one of those things where, honestly, like each school should get together and just like, hey, we're going to we're gonna do this. And like we're a, like a signature. This. Yeah, have yeah. Like their signature thing, and like so, each time you go to a school, you've got like, hey, when I go to the Elmwood, I get that ribeye sandwich, or hey, when I right. go to Antwerp, I can get the fish, and you know, so you know what's coming, so you can kind of prepare yourself. If, if yeah. schools put just a, like, even if you just put a little bit of effort in and you serve those items, you can make a lot of money oh, for whatever I'm whatever sure. program or yeah. sport or whatever. Even if you just roll a grill out there, you yeah. start throwing burgers and hot yeah. dogs just, on. Just the smell, the aroma. Yeah. <laughs> like oh. Wayne Trace does that. Like yeah, they do. That, Wayne oh, Trace God, is really that good. grill outside because just the stand. Last year was just coming toward. Or just the last entire year. game. It literally, you could smell, you could smell the grill from across yes. the field, oh and Lord. you just said, all, you could smell all the smoke and see it, and it's like, man, I want to go get a burger. Last now. year, so. last year they had it underneath that little canopy. I thought it was on fire. The smoke was rolling out of there so bad. It's like, holy smokes! But yeah, that's. Uh, I think it's awesome. You get out. You know, it's kind of like people always talk about the fairs. Like certain yeah. fairs you mm -hmm. go to have certain food. Man, that's what that's what high school football ought to be about. It's get out there. Everybody start developing your own little you know thing yeah yeah maybe that should be a hot take for next week we best go. best concession <laughs> stand yeah. food there we go at football games in northwest ohio there you go we'll do a power ranking for it so <laughs> so send in what your school's favorite or what your known item is and we'll we'll have to rank them here so oh, rank awesome. them or try them when we go yes, to the game absolutely so, so yeah that'll be awesome so anyways uh, well, that concludes our podcast. Uh, we'd like to thank all of our sponsors, Three Chord, BSN Sports, Bat Stevens Body Shop, Tenor Rams Live, Jimenez Basketball Academy, Fairchild Family Chiropractic, NWO Basketball, The Drop Zone Pizzeria, Crystal Vasquez of Amerimade Realty, Optimal Performance Fitness, Nicely Storage and Rentals, and The Thunderdome. Um, we would also like to give a special thanks to Jeff Bat for allowing us to use his amazing new facility here at Bat Stevens Body Shop for today's podcast. Stay tuned for the next NWO Sports podcast in the near future, and thanks for watching. Mm -hmm.